the introduction. No, 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 no! And remember, you're hosting Sarah. Yeah. Coke Would Talk would like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show. So our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Al Hartman, Alan Murphy, Alan Huffman, Amigos Retro Gaming, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donaghy, Brian Weasler, Karen Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Michael Pitsley, Rick Eulin, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., Tim Lindner, Tom Heron, and Tony C. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Coco Talk, episode 232, with our special guest host today, Sarah. <laughs> no pressure, Sarah. <laughs> All right, we're here. Sarah, take it away. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. <laughs> we're going to have a great show today. Oh. Isn't that right, David? David, are you oh, excited? Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> I see a perfectly good panel today. Unfortunately, not on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll introduce the people on the panel for you, Sarah. You, just, you can stay there and look beautiful. In the top left-hand corner of the screen, vacationing in sunny Florida, Marco Overholzer is here. Hey, Marco. Hey, glad to be here. And Florida's looking nice. It certainly is. And Rick Eulens here. Hey, Rick. Hey, vacationing in temporarily sunny Milwaukee. All right, sunny Milwaukee. And our backup streamer and engineer, Mark Bowes, is here. Hey, Mark. Ah, the sun vanished. This, this crazy water's falling out of the sky for some damn reason. Hmm. This guy knows <laughs> nothing about sun in, in Arizona, but Rondell Lowe is here. How you doing, Ronnie? Pretty good. Tim Linder is in the live chat, so is... Jim Rye and Scott Cooper and Paco Atakte, Exiled and Paradise and David Craker and Terry Steggy and Tom Eric Gunderson and Rick Eulen 
and Al Curtis Boyle and Mark Bosley, all kinds of people in the live chat out there. Tim Linder, how you doing? Uh, we also have the uh, host now of our Game On Challenge, Ken Waters, Canadian Retro Things. How's it going, eh? It's going good, eh? It's going great. Mikey's here too. He likes it. He likes it. Our foreign correspondent and uh, fellow Canadian, L. Curtis Boyles here. How you doing, L. Curtis? Good. Welcome to the show, everyone. All right. And we have a guy who gets things from time to time, makes people jealous. Uh, Brian Weasler is here. How you doing, Brian? Doing well. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here. Oh, my God. This guy here. I don't know what to say other than... Bless your heart. It's Terry Steggy from the Tandy Shack. How you doing there, Terry? Hey, everybody. And, Welcome. And are you like retro tech time, too, or something else? I don't know how many personalities you have now. I have. It's multiple. You're it's a disorder. You're going to be like David Ladd and Paco Atakte and Drencor <laughs> and uh, freaking Diet Dr. Pepper, all kinds of other crap, right? So Playing for a personality for every piece of Brian Weasler's equipment that he's got. <laughs> <for the equipment>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And we have the host of our show today with her sidekick. Uh, Sarah's here with her sidekick, Jason Reichert. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Can I get a yes from you, Jason? Yes. You yes. are correct, sir. You oh! are correct, Sarah. Yes. <laughs> from, from slightly cloudy and traffic jammed Charlotte, North Carolina. Woohoo! Alan Exile in Paradise is here. How are you doing, Alan? Uh, doing all right. Greetings, Coconuts. The question is, how are you feeling today, David Ladd? Oh, I'm doing just peachy, Stevie. And I hope everybody else is doing good today. Are you all ready for today's train wreck? Mm -hmm. I know I am. I'm waiting to see how much blood and gore splattered all over the railway. Let's get this show on the road. Wow. <laughs> totally dark, David. Wow, David. Yeah, we have sunlight. Very Enjoy. uplifting. Dark David Lad. <laughs> the Thunder from Down Under. Oh, right. Nicholas Morentes. Good eye. Hey, good, good eye, Planet Earth. Good eye to you. I am your guest uh, host today, Stevie Stroh. The main host today is Sarah, the lovely and talented Sarah. Sarah, what are we going to talk about today on Coco Talk? A bunch of cocoa stuff. Bunch of cocoa stuff. All right, be, that would be different. You can tell she's a seasoned on. professional. <laughs> We're gonna do game on. We're going to do um, forty-five minutes on Diet Dr Pepper. Yes, and and Diet Dr Pepper and water. All right, well, it sounds like an, it sounds like an exciting show. I'm glad everybody tuned in. Is really excited for that. Ken Reichert is out there, Canadian Retro Things, Samuel Gimes is out there, Mr. Dave is out there, Evan Mooney is out there. Hello from Wales. Uh, it's raining here too, he says. Very cool. Um, all right, so we got things to talk about today. Um, actually, before we get into, um, we're going to juggle the segments around a little bit. Brian Weasler is going to treat us with something, some type of update or acquisition but before we get to that, we're going to get to a segment that has been taken over by a new producer uh, who is new to Discord. I put out a call for help, and we got somebody who said, hold my beer. I'm going to do this. And I think I like where who's new to Discord is going. So why don't we take a look at that real quick? Let's look at who's new to Discord this week, and then we'll talk about I don't know, Did you guys already reveal who the mastermind is behind this, or is that still a secret? That's still kind of a Wizard of Oz thing, the man behind the curtain. I don't know. Anyways, enjoy this, and we'll be back after this is done. It's time for everyone's favorite segment. 
Who's new to Discord this week? Retro Tech Time. My name is Terry and I'm a non-recovering TRS adiaholic. I have been on Discord and Coco Talk for a couple of years now and enjoy everyone here. I am starting my own channel about my retro collection of not just Tandy stuff but everything retro that I collect and enjoy. Take care and remember, Fletcher went far. Masters 3263827 Hi, my name is Stan, I owned a Coco 1 and upgraded it myself to ECB, 64K RAM. I added a Coco disc and was an early OS 9 user. I helped stage a 5 user demo of Star Trek running in Basic 09 at a Dayton, Ohio club meeting. I also ordered a Model 4 case and with some help, I wired it with a color monitor, my Coco, and disc drives. I wish I still had some pictures of it. Additionally, I worked with Gary Becker's FPGA code and am the author of a port to the DE2115 board. Presently I am porting the same code to the Mr. Desk 2. Mark Antoine Chabot. My first computer was a Coco 2 and I've typed many of the programs from the Rainbow Magazine. I have a TV cabinet with 16 retro and non-retro systems, ranging from the Atari 2600 up to a PS4 and Nintendo Switch. I've just received my Coco SDC and I am looking for information about it. Found this Discord a few months ago on Facebook. Glenn Hewlett. I'm a big Coco fan. I had a few Amigas back in the day, but as far as retro computers go, the Coco is the only computer I'm really into. I have such fond memories with the Coco. I enjoy programming mostly in assembly but, basic on the Coco has always been fun. I found out about Discord from the Coco Talk YouTube videos. I'm not sure what to expect here, as I'm new to Discord. Back in the day, I always enjoyed computer forums and this seems like that on steroids. Hopeful to make new retro friends and to help keep the Coco community strong. As a side note, Glenn is the one who just brought the community joust and defender. Thank you Glenn. Nitro Ferrano. I'm Palo Silva. My first experience with the Coco was back in the 80s when I lived in Brazil. I had a cousin and a neighbor that had a Coco 1 clone. The Prologica CP400. Oh, all right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna pause that one and come back to that in a little while. That's good though. We have a new uh, a new voice talent behind there. I don't know if we want to mention who that voice talent is, but uh, I like the I like the format and I like the um, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, did we did we say who's doing this? Or are we gonna say who's doing this? Or no? Is that still a trade secret? It's grandson of two Hal two thousand. It's how it's Hal two thousand. His grandson. His grandson. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well. All right. We're gonna keep that ambiguous then. All right. Well, we'll be back with more of, of who's new to Discord. But um, in the meantime, we have some updates and some acquisitions to talk about. And when you look up the word um, updates and what am I no longer the host of the show? I can't, or did they change Discord? Or they changed, they changed uh, Zoom? Because now it says pin. It used to say spotlight. Now it says pin. Uh, it... Looks like Mark is the host now. Oh, did, Marco. I, did I make somebody else the host? Oh, can somebody yeah, make apparently. me the host again? Marco, oh, it's you. It's fine the way it is. <laughs> nah, because I can't, I can't spotlight him. I was trying to spotlight... Um, Ryan Weezer, am I the hosting it or no? Uh, I am the yes, host now. No, okay, are. let's try this again. 
Okay, don't know how that happened. Spot, that was probably this is a professional me. show, it folks. It was probably me when I was oh, making coffee. All right, cool. All right, so Brian Weasler is the guy who gets things. And what are you going to show us today, Brian Weasler? Um, well, some some of it's uh, cocoa, some of it's kind of indirectly cocoa. Um, more kind of like some tools and stuff that I've been kind of uh, picking up over the past few months uh, for some upcoming projects that I want to work on and some okay. things that have been talked about. So uh, one of the things that I picked up, and I think this is a common one that's out there because I'd like to take my hand at it, is uh, programming some EEPROMs. So I picked up this uh, EEPROM burner. Um, uh, th th I think this is a fairly common model that's out there a lot of folks use. So, And it comes oh, with various yes. little adapters. So, so I'm going to be uh, taking my hand at trying to uh, program a ROM. Neat. So that's Neat. Uh, one thing that I got going on. Um, and then uh, I did kind of post about this. Kind of excited to start playing. I got my first uh, Raspberry Pi, and I went all the way up to the 400. Nice. So, nice. so I'm going nice, to be, nice. uh, be doing that this weekend and uh, getting uh, – getting the uh, SD card all set up. And, did you uh, get a, a separate couple. SD card? I would keep the one that came with it. Cause did you buy the yes. kit that came with the Pi OS on the card? Yes. Yep. I got the kit, the one that you recommended. Okay. And then I went ahead and got uh, the Samsung a, uh, 128. 128. Boom. Yep. You're, you're in there like yep. swimwear. Yep. Yep. So I should be good to go there. Nice. So that'd be a so is fun. The pi, is the Pi in the keyboard? Yes. Yeah, yep. the, the Pi 400 is built into the keyboard. Yep. Well, and then on look, the, what's it look like behind? Right there. Oh, Okay. Look at those ports. Lots of I.O. can take oh, place in those yes. ports. Yeah. So do yes. you have access to that long strip of uh, pins? Yeah, that black thing there is covering the header. If you can see it, can you see it, Ron? Yeah. Yeah, so that, that wide black thing that kind of looks like the door to the cartridge slot, that's covering the header for the for the pin connectors. How does it stay cool? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's all internal. It must have, I don't know there's, if it has, there's, a, there's, there's exhaust vents there. So yeah, it might. There might be. A, it has a little bit of weight to it. So there might be a. There, there might be, be some, some metal in there to. There. Yeah. Or yep. heat sinks. There's got to be heat sinks. I would imagine at least. It's got to be at least passively yep. cooled. Um, well, how are well, they designed no way to it? Put a fan on it, is there? Uh, you'd have to crack open the case. It was. It's designed that way. So they've ma they've manufactured it. So and it's made by Raspberry Pi. So it's not like you're buying a kit where you can you know pick and choose your own stuff. So it was produced, and I'm sure they produced it within the spec to make it cool and all that good stuff. You know. Um, it's a neat little thing though. I got one now too. What else and then you got also, there, Brian? Uh, and then also too, uh, this is a, another common tool that I hear a lot of. Them. I think, uh, uh, Jason has this one here, but, uh, I get, wanted to get myself an actual, uh, desoldering tool, Ooh. proper one that has the vacuum on it and everything. So, okay. cause I got, to, I have a number of cocos that I want to do some repair work on and, uh, do the old solder wick and, and, uh, just doesn't quite cut it. So I'm hoping this will, uh, do a better job that's a desolder but is it a solder sucker or is it just yep it solder sucks yep okay so you heat it it heats up and then when you press the trigger it uh, starts a little vacuum pump and actually sucks it out versus like one of the spring-loaded plunger type okay you hit the button and just you just get one little uh one little suction off of it uh, this is a uh, continuous so nice. it should once you heat it up it should pull the solder all the way through in one shot and you're not having to reheat and possibly lifting traces on a board and such. Neat. So I'm hoping that'll be. And then uh, along that lines, because I have a, um, uh, I have one of the uh, 6809 uh, sprite boards coming that oh, John okay. offers. Um, actually, it's supposed to show up today. I was hoping it might be here, but the uh, the post is uh, a little bit later. So um, that's why I wanted to get some more tools. And so with that, 
Um, I've always wanted to get one of these. I think. Yeah, Ken, I have one of those. I got one. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ken has one that he uses on on the show quite a bit, but it's just a bigger version of this. But it's that silicone. Silicone. So I, yeah. I think that's going to. Yep. So and the little nice there. those little cubby things there are magnetic too, right? So if you throw screws down in there, they don't go go all over the place. Um, I, I'm be. not sure if this one is, but uh, but I know what you're talking about that they have them there. So I've wanted to get one of those. Yeah, those are. Cool. And then uh, getting ready for that uh, sprite board, I also picked myself up a nail uh, to nail um, SCART cable. Okay. So I so I can get the output and then go to a SCART to HDMI adapter. So, nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to playing with does, that. Does the sprite board output audio over the SCART cable too? So you just have the one thing. I'm trying to remember if that's the. It may. I, I don't remember. Okay. Right You'll off find out hand, soon but, enough. Uh, I'm going to find out. Yep. I'm going to yeah. dive into that there. So, and then um, a few, maybe about a month ago now, uh, Aaron from the uh, Retro Hack Shack was offering his HDMI the, the to RGB, uh, RGB to HDMI adapter. Yeah. And uh, let's see here. Can I share my screen here? Yeah. I might need to stop sharing mine. So go ahead and try it. Okay. Okay, right. can you see this here? Yes, I can. Okay, so uh, um, as Aaron talked about on his video, um, if you're going to hook this up to a Coco 3, you have to uh, build your own cable okay. that has some diodes in it. Okay. Uh, it it's used to combine the uh, vertical and horizontal into one signal. So that's what this portion here is um, uh, in the picture here. There's a, And I, he did his a little differently. I wanted mine, so I had this heat shrink tubing to kind of extend it out from underneath the cocoa right, first. Right. And then I, and then the diodes. And then you also have to add onto the analog board that you get with this kit, you have to add an additional comparator chip. And that's this little surface mount guy down here. Okay. And uh, he looks like that. And uh, Wow. What did you and, take that uh, picture I'm, with? That's like macro photography there. That's uh, actually my, uh, my new iPhone that I got. Uh, so, yep. I just, I, Held my phone about, a, about two inches above it, zoomed in on it, and uh, gave a nice clear picture. I was wow, very, that <laughs> very is, surprised. That's really that's like that's like a microscope, dude. Yeah, that's so, cool. Yeah, so that little chip had to be uh, it's a little surface mount chip had to be added, and um, I added actually where? Done, what's that? Where does it get added? So Sorry. there's two boards. There's two boards inside the um, inside this black case. Actually, there's three boards. There's the Pi Zero board which is where these ports are at. And then on top of that is his uh, analog board. And then on top of that is the digital board that kind of all three of those get sandwiched inside this little black case that he provides um, with the kit. And you get your HDMI out right here. And this is your power. Now you can plug in a keyboard if you want to, but you don't, you don't need to. And then there's the buttons for navigating it. So um, I have it actually hooked up here. Let me stop sharing. And so is that what you were doing your capture through when you showed that stuff on Facebook, your um, Sailor Man? No, that's stuff? actually, uh, I was going to show this too. Uh, I picked this up here, this brand here. I know you recently got one too, Stevie. Yeah. I uh, I settled it on this one here, this brand here. I can't remember. It's, it's uh, what's it called here? Oh, what's it, what's it called here? <laughs> uh, Mirabox, M-I-R-A box. Okay. Mirabox. Uh, this brand here and it has i think some of the similar features where it has hdmi in and then usb 3 out and also hdmi out so it has the throughput so you can yeah. go straight to a monitor okay and, and hook it up that way um let me sh change my video here my video source to your microphone went cold on us i don't know what okay oh that's really clean that's well it's pretty clean yep. yeah. 
can you hear me okay now? Yeah, you're a little echoey. A little bit? Okay. So, yeah, this is the output from it. Um, from, from the RGB the, uh, board? Yep, from oh. the, from Aaron's uh, RGB there. So, yep, and then also my video capture. So that's kind of, uh, it's been uh, been kind of nice. So, I thought, but... so that his board, which is, his board isn't really that um, useful to a Coco 3 since we already have like RGB to SCART, but it also right. supports Coco 2, which is a little bit more helpful. But so yes. what you're doing is you're taking the RGB cable and then that board is converting it to digital. So it's coming out HDMI. Correct. Yep. And it's not, it's, it's a little wavy on the left there. though. We guess I'm seeing that little fluctuation line on the left yeah. border. Yeah. I want to do some more testing. That might be the, it might be my video capture. Okay. Um, what did it cost? What did what cost? The HDMI, the uh, the, the yeah. RGB to, to adapter. The whole thing you uh, showed there with the adapter. Oh, oh, the whole thing there. Um, I think when you buy all the components that you need in order to hook up to a, a Coco Three, um, I think it ends up being around uh, about eighty-five dollars, ninety-five dollars for all the for the because you have to buy the different pieces because his uh, his RGB to HDMI will work with dozens of different machines so you're not it's not just uh, coco specific i mean it can commodore atari uh old retro machines i mean there's literally hundreds of different uh machines that you can plug the second i shouldn't say hundreds but there's uh dozens of machines that you can plug into okay the other question is how'd you put that little chip in uh soldered it you have to solder it on there the on the back of the analog board is the pads and so you just have to line it up and uh, solder it in place. Was it tough being so small? Um, I have a, um, uh, I have a, a magnifying lens with the light on it that I can work underneath. So with a nice fine tip uh, soldering iron, um, I was able to solder it into place. And there's other techniques you can use, but just a, a steady hand and and uh, you can get her done, but uh, it's not easy. Does Aaron <laughs> does Aaron offer that kit fully assembled by any chance, or is it only in kit form? Uh, it's only in kit form. Okay. You buy the different boards that you need. Yeah, I'm not a solderer either, but yes, yeah, so that yeah. might be something if you were interested, Ron. And I don't know if you're, if you're coming to Cocoa Fest this year, but if you time it to where you can get the parts and bring it to an event where there are professional solderer dudes handy. Were you surprised that it worked? <laughs> um, not, not too really. I mean, he had some really good videos. Um, but yeah, I was kind of surprised that my uh, that the soldering that I did yeah. that it worked the first time out of the. Out of the <laughs> so <laughs> I did That's have to. Uh, I did have to navigate through the menu. There's quite a fancy menu system that you have to go through, and you have to switch the different modes to get it to the right mode for the Coco uh, Three. Um, but if you want to connect it to a Coco One or Two. You still have to do some soldering because you have to take the cable that comes with it. And in his video, he talks about soldering it directly to the legs of the VDD chip. And I'm a little hesitant about wanting to solder to the chip. So what I'm planning on doing is taking a 40-pin socket and soldering the wires to the socket, put the socket onto the system board. Because I'm going to socket the, uh, the, the cocoa that I'm going to use this with. Then I can put the socket into a socket and put the chip on top of that, kind of stacking it up a little bit. So, um, but so that could be it. It could be attached to any cocoa, but they're soldering no matter which model you go with. Right, right, right. That's it. Because we had Aaron on the show and he was talking about this project, so it is kind of cool. Um, it, to me, like it's it's less 
necessary on a Coco 3, but it's still cool. But yeah, like it's, it's really cool to be able to take a Coco 2 and ultimately have RGB output and HDMI output on a Coco 1 or 2. And then it also emulates the artifacting and whatnot too, right? So kind of like what the Coco yep. VGA does, you can get your red and blue colors out of that over RGB, which is kind and of Out cool. of curiosity, Stevie, compared with getting the SCART and the SCART adapter, what's the cost of getting that all combined versus, versus um, this? I don't know. I don't remember what a switcheroo costs. So let's just let's just say roughly the SCART to HMI adapter is about 3540. I think the switcheroo might be 3540. So for 80 bucks, roughly you'd have it on, on. If Jason's still here, he can tell me exactly. I don't remember what I paid for my switcheroo. It's been so long. Um, but okay, yeah, but they're so, competitive, and it looks uh, like yeah, yeah. the Switcheroo has the additional capability than the composite. The, the comp where you have real artifacts, and uh, and, and whereas this one has the ability to also hook up your Coco One too, so it's kind of I guess it depends what your right, case is. right, right. The nice thing about you know you can look at that SCART to HMI box as you know well that's just an added expense. I don't look at it that way. I look at it as once you have that, that's a Swiss Army knife because every vintage system out there has an RGB to SCART cable at this point in time you know what i mean because scart is just so common scart is analog rgb and just about every 80s and 90s system supports some form of analog rgb output or can be you know tapped into to get analog rgb so to have that rgb to hdmi box it just becomes you know a utility to for not only your cocoa but for anything else retro you know yeah it's so. just too bad scart didn't take off in north america when it was originally out otherwise we'd have it all built in our tvs like they do yeah here. yeah yeah so you have a Raspberry Pi you could play with there too, then? Uh, I mean, like yeah, a Pi Raspberry Pi two or like a two or a three nice, ras- nice Raspberry Pi. You also have, no. Also, you have. You're saying you also have a, a Raspberry Pi. Is that what you meant, Ron? No. Nope. No, I'm saying it's in there. You could per- repurpose it for something else if you wanted to. Yeah, you could pop you up a different SD card in there, and you could use it for uh, for another uh, another project or another purpose. Certainly. Right. Okay. All right, what else you got for show and tell? And then Terry Steggy also mentions he's got something he wants to show off. That's all I'd like to share with you all today. All right, well, thank you, Brian Weasler, for that. That is a lot of interesting things. Um, before we move on to Terry, I don't know if this is, because I missed last week's show, but you guys did talk about the passing of George, right? Yes. Um, and one of and the things, we showed him pictures. Yeah, one of the things I was mentioning to Brian when I, when I caught him on Discord this week, because last week I was... Yeah, you know, for those who are not familiar with all, all the stuff I've got going on for the past like two months, it's been packing up the house to tear up the floors to get new floors put in. And then we had the house painted. And now that the inside of the house is painted, then last weekend, I spent the weekend pulling everything out of the garage that was in the garage because our house has been packed away. So all this construction can happen. So in the process of unpacking last week and putting things back on shelves, I found some stuff that George had sent me. And I remember meeting George probably maybe at my first Coco Fest, which was I think was the 2016. And usually when you meet somebody, you're like, hey, well, you know, what, when did you get into the Coco? What was the first thing you did about what do you love about the Coco? You know, you'll hear one of those kind of origin stories. But <laughs> the first thing that George told me was because he because I was uh, he knew that I knew Curtis. He's like, let me tell you something about that Curtis Boyle He's like this guy took Seamus and converted it to RGB for me so I could play it on my CM8. That's like the first thing the guy told me when I first met him. I mean, he was so enamored with the fact that you patched his favorite game to run on the CM8. It's, it's hard to imagine that there was a time where we didn't have emulators and we didn't have this. And so we we had to run things on a real Coco. And if you had a real Coco with the CM8 and those games were black and white, 
it kind of sucked, right? So mm-hmm. you made his freaking day, his week, his world by patching. Yeah, he sent me a copy of the disc you yeah, know, by so mail. He, so, and so I was going through my Coco stuff, putting it back on the shelf. He had mailed me a copy of the disc, and he wrote me a little note saying, thanks to yours truly and Curtis Boyle, you can now play Seamus in RGB on your <laughs> CMA. So he had mailed me all that. And you had made such an impression on him by fixing that one game. It seemed like the most seemingly insignificant thing or simple thing that we can do sometimes has such a powerful impact on people's lives. Yeah, I figured like it had been 15 years since I've seen since I was at a previous Coco Fest. I didn't think he'd even remember who I was. Never mind. But that was the first thing he had to say to me. He was like, man, that Curtis Boyle, man, he fixed Seamus for me. It was just like, oh, wow. So, and it was just so ironic because I know you guys were talking about him on the show and I wasn't on the show, but I had my little George moment that same day when I was going through myself. But, um, uh, all right. So on that note, we also have a guy who a guy who collects a thing or two as well. Uh, he's no Brian Weasler. All right. Let's let's just get things straight. Right. So when it comes to collecting, there is Brian Weasler and there's everyone else. This is one of those other people. Terry Steggy <laughs> has what some people might call a problem. Um, but how you doing, sir? Bless your heart, by the way. Bless your heart. And I'm just a wannabe. That's all I am compared to Brian. So It's his world. We just visit it from time to time. So, yeah. Well, and apparently Brian and I are making this show suck because that's oh, kind of what Oh, look at that. So, but I uh, was fortunate enough to get a PC that was the last PC ever branded Tandy. It's a Ooh. Model 2100 Model 10. Ooh. Um I'm still working on it, but it had a really interesting problem on the motherboard. And I was going to show you guys what I had done. Won't boot up, but it has a real-time clock chip. Oh, okay. Right there. Dallas Semiconductor. The problem is the battery is built into this chip. Uh, Did the battery uh, implode or whatever? Dry up well, it just is dead. It, it won't okay. work anymore. Right. You can buy new chips, but the problem is they're old stock. The batteries are bad old, in them. Old batteries, so, too. I bought me a... Uh, you bought me, got a... me a new Dremel. Okay. And actually, and I don't know if you'll be able to see this He's or not. going in. On the chip. It's probably not going to show up, but... Are you Dremeling into the chip? Yep. Basically, you Dremel into the side of the chip, and you cut the... Um, battery leads and i then you can tap into an external battery yep i just got one of these little uh okay just as a nine volt gotcha actually has a switch on it it's kind of nice but i then epoxied where i had cut after i got it all soldered and lo and behold the thing worked after i had to replace one of the uh uh, capacitors but so anyway hell is going on here that is pretty awesome yeah. I was I was pretty happy that that little project yeah. worked. But anyway, just was shocked. That now what's going Brian on? What's what's the is that is that a cocoa with the red thing? Is that your Vader cocoa back there behind? Yeah, that's that's Vader. Yeah. And what's it propped up on? Because it looks like it's got a deeper body. It almost looks like a dragon back to it. Is there something behind it? It just has a little stand thing okay. on it. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. And I don't know that I ever showed it, but I also have my one-off. Um, oh, the Vader uh, Mega Mini MPI, huh? Did yeah, you paint Ed, that? Ed or did the black Ed one for oh, me. Oh, made it for you black. It. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, that is cool. Yeah, so I don't want to make you jealous or anything, but I do have a Jar Jar Binks Coco. Uh, you can keep that Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you had Boba Fett, we'll talk. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, that a special sure. edition of the speech sound card? Do you actually of... use that cocoa every day? Yep, that's my daily driver anymore, Ron. Cool. That's cool. Um, okay, that's cool. So you got some stuff. Is that it, Terry? Or are you? Uh... Yep, that's that's the main thing I've been working on. All right, well, well bless your heart. Bless uh, your heart. Bless your heart. Uh, so that's <laughs> James cool. Jones in the chat says, Misa so jealous. Misa so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. All right. So we got a little early head start on the updates and acquisitions. If sometime throughout the show somebody has uh, something they want to share that they forgot to and it just comes to you or whatever, we can always do more acquisitions and show and tell later on. But it is time for the world's favorite part of our show, which is the Samuel Gimes Game On um, Results video of Coco Thoughts and the Game On Results with Canadian Retro Things and all that good stuff. And um, so we're going to do that. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe there's a new Coco Thoughts. By the way, what was the game this week? I missed last week's show and I have not had a chance to play the catch up. What game did the world play this week? Defender. Defender. Okay. All right. So the game this week was Defender. Perfect. Which I had no idea. All right. Shows you how in tune I am with what's going on in this show. All right. So Samuel Gimes followed with Game On Results. Let's see what Samuel Gimes is up to this week. And now Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Nine Inch Nails. I played Defender today to see if I could deal. <laughs> I focus on the game. Oh, wow. This is an obscure cut. And not let Lander steal. Hyperspace tears a hole. <laughs> Across the screen I wing Try to kill them all away But I cannot hit anything <laughs> What key should I press? So I descend I'm always facing the wrong way in the end, <laughs> and I can't save them all. Oh my god, this is awesome. I'm ever on alert, they will all fall down. <laughs> this game will make you hurt. Oh, that is so good. I wonder what Johnny Cash would think. Is this still going? I fly through swarms of pods. Especially if you play Defender. And brighters over there. <laughs> Swarmers break my ship. I cannot repair. Bombers and landers fly. The humans disappear. They're now something 
else. I am still right here. I want this soundtrack. What have you become, my mutant friend? Everyone I know attacks me in the end. And I can't save them all. <laughs> if I could start again a million quarters away, I would change my game. Zach's on I will <laughs> Oh man, game over. Oh, Oh, that was, oh my God, that was one of the longest running um, Samuel Gimes song parodies there. For those who don't know, that's a cover of Johnny Cash's cover of Nine Inch Nails songs, Hurt. So that's more of the Johnny Cash slowed down version of it. But, um, oh, and that's a, such a great song. I want to get that karaoke track. That is so good. And he did such a good song, did such a good job kind of not only just you know, just mirroring the real lyrics to fit the game. And, oh, man, that just really, really good. Oh, man, good job, Samuel Gimes. Man, just kept the mood of that. And you really felt his pain playing this game and as it came through <laughs> and the emotions of that uh, lyric there. Great job, Samuel Gimes. All right, so now we're going to get into the results. Apparently, uh, Defender made some of you hurt this week so let's see who rose above the pain and how we did on our scores high score challenge <laughs> welcome everyone to the results of this week's game on challenge Where we played Defender. There were 16 participants. We had Gary M with 1,250. Weisler B with 1,900. Mr. Dave 6309, 6,125. Rich N, 6,725. CRT, 9,525. Buck Owens, 10,325. Jim Rye, 10,700. Sloopy Malibu, 13,775. Pedro Pena, 15,125. Just Mike, 15,525. Tom C, 16,350. Kieran, 19,025. Erroneous, 19,575. Tasman Scott Cooper, 21,475. Managing to grace us with a score just before the closing bell as he was eating supper. L. Curtis Boyle <laughs> with 38,300. 
And the number one score this week dun, goes dun, to dun. Z9K9 with 156,550. Well done with that and a video score, to Z9K9. And a special thank you to Gary M for tabulating the scores this week, keeping track of them, and making this program that displayed the scores. Nice. Cool job. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Good scores. Good scores. Tom C. from Jersey out there. All right. That's good to see. A lot of players. So, yeah, I missed the whole announcement. I, I knew that Defender was in the works because Glenn had been blogging about it and things like that. I hadn't had a chance to look at it yet. but uh, So I'm assuming he talked about that on his interview. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and what his next project is going to attempt to be. And what is his next project going to be? Robotron. 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 Ooh, cool. Very cool. And uh, neat, 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 neat. Uh, so who's got tips and tricks for the game? Because I haven't played it yet on the Coco. Uh, Curtis, you, you played it while you're eating, so that's got to be the best trick of all. Well, that, that's kind of a misnomer. I was I, I brought food up with me because I was taking a break from work. And I would play the game. You die so often that game that you literally I would take like two minutes to play and then I'd you know have a couple bites of a sandwich and then play for one minute and die and then have another bite of the sandwich. So it was more like task switching, not multi Oh, uh, okay. That that <laughs> sounds more believable. Yeah. Uh, as far as uh tips, the only the only real tips I have is that you have to get used to hammering on the fire button like mad. You have to get used to using the reverse controls. Definitely redefine the keys. Like if you're playing on an emulator or a real Coco, definitely pick whatever works best for you. Uh, the default ones that Glenn has for the keyboard on the real Coco are close to what I wanted, but not quite. So I swapped a few keys around. Yeah, I use the smart bomb a lot more often. I use hyperspace. So I made that the space bar so I could hit it with either hand no matter what was going on. That's what I did too. Yeah. So that, that helped a bit. And I think I moved hyperspace to the ender key, which is a little bit larger, so you can hit it a bit easier. But mm-hmm. um, you have to really learn how to re- use reverse. That is a critical thing, uh, both for you know firing at landers before they pick up humans, but also when you're getting chased by baiters and stuff that actually travel faster than you. You If you do some rapid reverses, you can kind of throw them off for a second or two, and that gives you some time to line them up and shoot them or get away or whatever. Uh, the one trick, which actually uh, ZZ9K9 actually showed, which I did not even know back in the arcade days, is if you shoot a pod and it breaks apart the swarmers, if you let them fly just past you, then you immediately reverse and start following them. They don't come back at you. You can actually just follow, go up and down, just pick them off with your leisure as long as you're not going to get by something else. And I did not know that trick. Oh. And that's uh, the reason my score you know, improved literally about 15,000 from when I was testing it for Glenn a couple of weeks ago. So that was a nice trick. So thanks to Z9K9, who obviously was pretty good at it in the arcade to be able to you know, rack up 156,000, which he hey. put the video up in Discord to show everybody that he did it too. He's wicked at that game. Holy cow. He left us all in the dust. Yeah. Hey, basically, if you want tips, go watch his video in Discord and the Game on yeah. Challenge channel. Okay. That's about all I can say. Cool. Very cool. So, oh, yeah, oh. it's go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say uh, it's going to be coming up in the news, too. But another, another nice thing he did, I know a lot of people were saying they would prefer it on joystick. And the reason he didn't do that, as he explained during the interview, is he wanted to capture the feel of the original game. Like having to have to do reverse and thrust separately was part of what made Defender Defender. And if you switch the joystick, that's all gone. Part but, of what made it a quarter um, muncher. Yeah, it was the first billion dollar grossing machine in the history of video games in the arcade. Yeah. So I'll give you an idea. Um, but he's actually published the source code to both it and Joust on his GitHub, which we'll cover in the news uh, later on too. So if anybody wants to go muck with it and change the code to you know, enable joystick support, they can. I think Nick Barentes was going to do that, weren't you, Nick? Oh, one day. 
Um, yeah, so really fun game this week. Uh, hard as uh, it was in the arcade. Yep. So... <laughs> Um, I didn't have a lot of ticks and tricks, tricks for playing it because yeah, I didn't do that well, but <laughs> it's still a fun game though. It's, 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 de it's definitely difficult. You will not last long in the game unless you really practice. But when you, when you get that swooping down and you rescue human just before it hits the ground's about to explode, you actually get a sense of like, right on, I did that type thing. Like, yeah. It, and the feeling of flight actually because of the reverse and thrust, it's not turn on a dime like some arcade games are. It, it was kind of like, you know, the, the whole Lancer versus Buzzard bait, bait, you know, like Lancer feels better to me. Defender feels good with the type of controls it has, even though they suck for playing really well. Oh, it feels very authentic. Yeah. So this might so. be something where on an emulator, you could like use like an Xbox controller and map multiple buttons or something like Some that. Some people did make, do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. And you can also, of course, remap the keys to whatever keyboard you have, because if you have a laptop keyboard or an extended desktop keyboard, you might want totally different key sequences than what the, the Coco would normally use. Cool stuff, man. Robotron on the yeah, because I know I know the question had come up on Facebook this week too. It was like, oh, we got these new games coming out, then you know, why why aren't there more? Or why wasn't there more back in the day? You know, and um, you know, I think I think we realize now that technologically it is possible to make a Coco three pretty much recreate just about anything that was an 8-bit arcade machine within reason because um, we've seen a lot of examples of that and so but even though you know it takes the time it takes somebody time to do it they need to have the time and the energy and the dedication to doing it so while technologically it seems to be mostly possible you need the people with the time and the talent to to do it you know? Yeah. Well, you're, some, you're... something Glenn pointed out in his interview that really helped him was that the source code for Joust and Defender has been released now. Okay. So stuff you were guessing at when you were disassembling, trying to figure out, especially copy protection and stuff like that, which is why it was crashing before. Now you actually have commented source code from the originators, and now you can actually tackle it a lot easier and know exactly what you're getting into. Right. Yeah, Sorry, to, to a certain extent, you're uh, you're standing on the shoulders of giants is what you're doing. I mean, you you have you have the whole library of everything that has been discovered about the system and the and the hardware. To work from so of course you also bring a tremendous amount of talent to the table like like glenn has but also um being able to have the benefit of 40 years of co accumulated cocoa knowledge plus the source code like you said i remember when the defender source code was leaked and it would be interesting to know how much glenn relied on that when as he was quite a bit trans code yeah if you, if you go through his source code he's actually got the original defender source code Mm -hmm. commented in there because there's a few things like the screen sideways as far or, or something like that the way it's written yeah. the screens because that, that source code was leaked this year i mean it was yeah. it was pretty recently yeah and also the other thing to remember is i mean doing all this work and he's just releasing it and making no money off of it so right which when, when it comes to something like this that's the right way to do it because it's not yeah. really his program Exactly, but, but it's um, a lot of work to do for oh, absolutely. no money. No technically, pay. he can't sell it, but if he had like a PayPal or Patreons, people wanted to, you know, like, like to do on the sci fi radio, you know, buy us a cup of coffee type thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to make a donation, there's nothing wrong with people throwing him a bone for his efforts. I mean, you should send him a gimme hex. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, no, it's <laughs> cool. So, yeah, I mean, it brings up the question what else could we do on the Cocoa? And even without all these sprite boards and other things that are coming out, even uh, on a stock bare metal Cocoa, there's a lot of untapped potential. It's just having the, the the right people with the amount of time to do it. And kind of like what uh, Boat was saying, you know, we live in a time now where you can 
take the ROMs, you can dump the ROMs, you can dump all the assets of the sprites and the tiles and the sounds. And so you can get all that, all the pieces of the puzzle very easily now. And there's all kinds of tools to do image conversions. And so all that stuff makes getting the pieces together, but still producing the program still takes talent and time. And we don't have that many people with the talent and the time to do it. You know, there are definitely a lot more consumers than there are creators in our community right now. So it's just like it's great to have a wish list, but let's also be grateful for what what we currently have too. You know. Yeah, I mean, and Glenn's picking games that he likes. Right. Uh, right. Robotron being one of his favorites. Now that one's a bit worried about because there's way more sprites in the screen uh, to worry about here, and I think it actually had a blitter assisted hardware chip, which whereas Defender did not. So he's, he's a bit worried about that. So, of course, I just mentioned, you know, the 609 might help you with that. So if right. it's a choice between not doing it and making it 609 only, you know where my loyalties lie. Right, right. When it is now, but when does a Coco stop being a Coco? When I say so. Oh, okay. Because right. <laughs> I don't know, 6309 just sounds like a distortion to me. So, um, all right, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> uh, what else we got going on? So uh, who else played? Who's got some thoughts, comments? On playing the game, I got comments. You got comments, Rondelvo? Yes, that's, I do. All right. Nine-inch nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 wow, wow, wow! The gloves are off, Rondelvo, holding no punches there. Um, Nine-inch nails on a chalkboard. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's that's right. how, and it was long. All right. All right. Well, more for you to enjoy, Ron. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Could have gotten a cup of coffee or gone to the bathroom or. Yeah, there's your there's your break time. You you missed it now. You're gonna be on. For oh, hours. so Samuel Geim says, then go play WeFax. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one noticed, but I did have the screen off, and I did go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. See, that segment's designed for you. Yeah. Well, well, Mr. He's... Gimes, I appreciate what Mr. Gimes did for us this week. There are a lot well, I appreciate, that. I appreciate what he did because yeah. it gives me something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mr. Alan Murphy, you had some comments in the chat. I think you should repeat out loud too for the podcast listeners about Defender. You're talking about the fact that it's the most iconic sounds in video game history. Yeah, well, just some of the general things like you were, you mentioned about Defender in general and the fact we got it on the Coco. So, uh, okay, I don't know which comments you mean. <laughs> well, well, what the uh, <clears throat> the part about the sound is one. I mean, that was one thing, and I think I mentioned it on last week's show. When yeah, you were in you the arcade, when you heard that Defender sound going in the background, even in its attract mode, you knew instantly there was a Defender cabinet somewhere in the arcade. And they always had it really loud. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So the ba the Bader sizzle is the winner. Uh, if I remember right, there was a, a consumer electronics type or some sort of national video game show or something around that time that actually awarded Defender uh, a pretty huge prize because of the sound design. And that was one of the things that they worked on for Stargate to make sure they didn't break. Yeah. Stargate being the, the sequel Defender to Defender. Club, or the Defender sequel, yeah. yeah. Yep. Sometimes it was called Defender 2, actually, even in the arcade. Yep. Right. Not to be confused with the motion picture and se several sci-fi miniseries or TV series, right? Stargate. Uh, cool stuff. Uh, yeah, I did not get a chance to play it. I got a lot of catching up to do once all the dust has settled in my home stuff. Uh, looks cool. Looks cool. 
Uh, Coach, else? you got a chance to play it, and I <clears throat> want to get your opinion on because you guys just did a special on Glenn's transcode <laughs> last week on this week in retro of Joust, and just missed the deadline when he released Defender. I think literally a day or two after you released the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I did. You know, did you know this was coming, Curtis? Could you? Yes, I did, but in? I didn't know the date. That was uh, one thing I didn't know yet because yeah. we were still doing the beta testing. Well, I think we kind of rushed Glenn a little bit to get it out for the so we could do a Glenn Hewlett doubleheader. I kind of I kind of hinted to him that, but he he said he was fairly certain, but not for sure they'd be able to get it done. So I said, well, no, no panic if you don't. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have. Uh, yeah, hopefully next time, maybe he can spread the word to you a little early, and you can give me give it to me on the down low, so I can uh, I can get that out there because it would be great to release a this week in retro with that as you know the lead story because that's that's reaching you know thousands of people every week and. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd love to be able to, to spread Glenn's, uh, Glenn's releases out a little bit, but I, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, I couldn't get it to work on my mister. I'm the only one. Everybody else got it to work on their mister. I couldn't, but I, I loaded it up in BCC. I've only got 128 because of three. So, uh, but uh, it just, it boggles the mind why Williams decided to release this machine with the control system that it did instead of just a regular four-way stick and a button, you know, two buttons, one for fire and one for hyperspace. Because when you when you have that, the game becomes so much more playable and so much more fun. So, uh, yeah, I love it. I think one of the reasons that they released it like that is because 40 years later, we're still talking about the controls for it. So. Yeah. Yeah, you might have a point there. You might have a point. And they wanted it to eat quarters. And I'm telling yeah. you, when you, when you, when you play it that way, it does. Yeah. I feel like I spent like 50 bucks just playing it on my Coco. <laughs> yeah, me too. And that was just in my 45 minutes after you know, having lunch. And what we need is someone to make a uh, custom joystick that plugs into both joystick ports on a Coco 3 and uh, gives you an up-down joystick and four fire buttons. Yeah. Specifically for Defender. Yeah. Mr. Dave 6309. Yep. Get to work on that. Well, he's, he's got that keyboard extension where actually you can remap the keys. So you actually could hook up joysticks. He's also, actually he's actually made a split joystick uh, board where it's uh, one side does up and down, the other does left and right. So that wouldn't be that hard to change that to something. Doesn't What's Neil Richard have something? He has a, 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 it's a joystick. Game with the it's basically it's an arcade style joystick that plugs into a Coco, but I don't think it does dual personality or dual ports or anything. Uh, yeah, okay. I think it's just using arcade hardware, like a red ball joystick, real arcade buttons, and a wooden cabinet that uh, yeah, just but, plays like a deluxe could, joystick. That, yeah. Something like that could also be adapted, I would imagine, right? So, Un- yeah. unfortunately, I have a Gamester and I tried it, and it doesn't help with Stargator Defender. <laughs> Because you don't have enough buttons in the right places. But I did have to give that a thing. The the ability to smack the arcade buttons, just like you were on the, the real controls, that works well. And uh, the gamesters can take the abuse. But you just there's not enough buttons to, to do it because it's it's actually just mapped with the two buttons for the Coco three. And that's why I said to actually have it plug into both joystick ports right. so you get four buttons. Right. Yeah, then you have to patch the game. So you got a couple then patches have to do to there, Nick. You better game, get on yeah. it. And we need the Robotron custom controller. Right, you need, you need the two sticks yeah. for Robotron. and a Twin stick. Actually, one thing Nick brought up just last week was Robotron. Together. But one thing Nick brought up about Robotron next week, we need something, like we've got that little uh, slice of silicone or whatever that actually holds the multi-pack and the cocoa together so it doesn't jog around. Yeah. You're going to need something to hold two joysticks to play Robotron. Because right. that's yeah, going to go sliding all over your damn two desk. Joysticks, yeah. Well, duct tape works. <laughs> <laughs> 
elegant. Yeah, but something a bit more elegant. Yeah. That's a t-shirt. Use yeah. black duct, duct tape yeah, black on duct the Black tape, Beauty. Maybe a C-clamp them to your desk, and boom, you're done. That's like this is, that's a shop project right there. So, boom. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to have an Australian name. <laughs> I have something that holds two Atari joysticks like that. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, do we have any more Defender discussions, or do we want to talk about what next week's game is? Uh, just a big thank you to Glenn for oh, turning absolutely. that one around so fast after yeah. getting toast out. Yeah. And after working on it for three years and getting frustrated and quitting for a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, it's, I was... it, it, what, what, what this is, what, what's happening today right now is reminding me of moments we had back in the early days of the Coco. Every now and then there was just something that came out that made you really proud of your machine. You know, when you like were Coco Max as an example, you know, Coco yeah. Max and Dungeons of Daggerath. But every now and then there was that standout product that where anybody who had who was naysaying against our machine, oh, my Commodore is better, blah, 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 whatever it was. There were things back then that we could show off, and people are like, "Wow, you know, the Coco is pretty cool." And so we have those moments back in the '80s and the '90s that we're having them again now. And so, like when we were at VCF Midwest and we were showing off Joust playing on a Coco, people were really impressed with that. They're like, "Wow, this is a real Joust." You know, Jason had a setup where he had Sockmaster's Donkey Kong Remix on one Coco, so we had the real Donkey Kong playing on a Coco, and then we had the real joust playing on coco so even now people are impressed like wow i can't believe this is running on an 8-bit system and this is running on a coco and you know um so it's neat that we're still having these moments where these breakout things are making us really proud of what this machine can do you know and it's run off the sdc which is also awesome oh yeah uh daddy burrito's and, out there erico's out there hey everybody and i did get a few uh comments that uh if we had only released stuff like this back in the day there would still be cocos today brand right. new ones right well the development process to do it back then would have been a yeah. lot more difficult it would have yeah, been not having but... the disassemblies and the cross development tools and the emulators and debuggers and all that kind of stuff so um... well so you had to learn the intricacies of the chips and stuff too you like that that's a learning process you just don't it do is to figure out the tricks but it's uh definitely has blown a lot of people away that uh the little Coco computer did this. Yeah, a little computer that still can and continues yep. to, you know? So yep. I think that's why retro is taking off now because I mean, with modern operating systems, you're constantly getting updates. You don't, you, you write software, it breaks the next time a windows update or a Mac OS 10 update or whatever comes out. And this way you have something that's, you know, kind of more fixed in time, though we're still updating some things on it, but you can keep learning and learning and learning the hardware right down to the final nub where you're squeezing every last ounce of performance out of it. And that's happening on all retro systems. I mean, we're seeing some of the best games ever on every retro system. Yeah, right like now, oh, so. there's there's so many things on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred now where they're just they're like, wow, I can't believe that's happening on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. <laughs> you know, they've they've done better Pac Mans and Donkey Kongs and all kinds of stuff on on that system. So yeah, the next Coco game, the final nub, the final nub. Yes, <laughs> I think uh, I think no matter what retro system you're a fan of, there's never been a better time to be a retro enthusiast than now just because there there are so many things happening on the home scene. Right. right. Yeah. Cool. All, All right. right. So have we beat it to death? Are we ready to reveal next week's game? I think so. Are you going to share something with us, Ken? Or are you just going to I us? will share something with you. All right. And by the way, Nick Morota, we miss you and uh, look forward to having you back when your schedule permits it. Yep. Definitely. So this is the game for next week. What the hell is that? 
Dungeons. Oh, is that Dungeons? I couldn't tell because I'm not used to seeing it in uh, yeah. in uh, artifact mode. Yeah, you have the option of doing it a couple different ways depending on like if you're running on a palace system versus. Okay, this yeah. is Karen's port. Yeah. yeah, and Karen's our guest interview next week, so good time. So Excellent. yeah, how fortuitous. Yeah. Now, one thing about that game is that you can play up to four players at once, and if you are playing more than one player, the other players can revive you if you die. So this week's game will be a single death game. So even if you're playing with other people, your score when you die the first time. Just because if you're playing with another person, they can just revive you and you can get a higher score. Yeah, somewhere I have the cassette of that. He did a run of a cassette copy of Dungeons that was printed with a nice, you know, J card, yeah, multi-fold thing. And, um, yep. I was looking up on my shelf somewhere. I probably have it somewhere. I just can't see it right now. I was going to show that off. I'll have to try to find it between now and next week. But uh, uh, I know he's released a version that also supports the, um, the Game Master cartridge because he yep. did some kind of yep. cool title music, like a mod player um, or uh, kind of like a Sid player title song before. Um, so what version are we playing? Are we playing one with the background music or does it matter? Or That shouldn't uh, matter. From what Karen's told me, that holds the same. But they're, depending on which character you play, there are different controls for each character since you can play up to four players right. at once. So um, in his documentation that is with the download, uh, read that because it tells you the keys. Okay. Right. Or it's, the it's kind of like a this loose gauntlet style thing where you can have up to yeah. four characters playing at the same time. One big um, difference between it and Gauntlet, though, like Gauntlet, you had to have all four players in the same area of the maze. Right. This one on the is screen all once. This one, everybody can run off in their own direction, completely different parts. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because it's four screens on your one one display. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's a port of an original, what is it, a Spectrum game, I believe? BBC, uh, I think. BBC. BBC Micro. BBC yeah. Micro. Didn't the front page have good, a nice looking artwork? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, let's see if I. I didn't want to show that because it would tell the name of the game, but let's see if dun, I can dun, dun. Uh, load that up. That's what I appreciate. I start the game, look at the front, and go, yeah, nice. <laughs> then I go to another game and I do the same thing because I don't All play. Right. Okay, and there is the front artwork. Dungeons, yeah. yeah. So that's the way I'm used to seeing it in the kind of... Uh, you know, dragon color palette, the P mode three color palette. I wasn't used yeah. to seeing it artifact. Uh, that screenshot was from level two, I believe. So that's neat. Cool stuff. So an adventure game for next week. Cool. 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 Yep. cool. And next week we have, of course, Karen will be our interview E and we're going to have special guest interviewers joining us, uh, Stuart Orchard and, uh, Bosco. All right, Steve, Steve Bamford will be on nice. to help interview Karen. Nice. And he'll be talking about, uh, well, we'll be talking about Dungeons. He'll be talking about, you know, Blockdown is his more modern Tetris clone. And he'll be talking about x in particular because he's been adding a ton of Coco 3 stuff to x lately, even on the online version. So we'll be talking about that. Oh, wow. Well. That's cool. Yeah. And so Ron Klein has been uh, updating the Coco Pie project almost daily now, too, with all the x updates and MAME updates and everything else. So, yeah, Coco Pie is getting a lot of uh, traction there, too. I want to thank Ron Klein for fixing my computer without actually having to see it or do anything. He just, in the update, it worked for me. Ah, what was that? The menu launcher or? Yeah, the menu launcher didn't work on mine for mm, some reason. Okay. But the update he did made yeah. it work. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, Ron's a Ron's a multi-talented guy. We got a lot of lot of really talented people in our community. Good stuff. 
All right, so next week's game is Dungeons. Uh, nice uh, from across the pond there. Nice UK edition. Uh, cool stuff. Yep. Um, and if any of you playing the game this week have questions for the author, he'll be on too. So. Right. All right, well, we have news to cover and other things to cover. I'm, I'm not sure if this is going to work, but I'm going to see. I don't know if it's going to pick up where we left off because I paused who's new to Discord. I hope it picks up where it left off. We'll run some more of that, and then we'll come back with some game on news and some news news. And if it starts over completely, then we're just gonna. I'll just run a different commercial. Let's see what happens here. It's time for everyone's favorite segment: Who's new to Discord this week? And now these messages. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack. Hi, I'm Kieran Anscombe, author of XRAW, and your brain is resolving sensory input into Cocoa Talk. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on, drop by our website, and download our latest games. Tired of switching your joystick between the left and right port? Want to change between different controllers? Well, Joey has got you covered. The Joey Controller Switch. Take control of your controllers with the flip of two switches. Order today at cocoman.biz. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Legend says, when the moon is full, if you go out in the country by the lake and whisper the name of Nick Marota three times, his spirit will appear and he will grant you a product idea. Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games, and they're on sale. Get this six game model for $29.95, or the four game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up, and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. Hi, I'm Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire and other amazing games on the color computer. And you're listening to Stevie Stroh on Coco Talk. All right, everybody, we're back with more Game On, and L. Curtis Boyle is going to bring us the latest in gaming news. Take it away, L. Curtis Boyle. All righty, then. So the first one up is that the uh, the next oh! the Coco show has been released. Sorry, what an abomination! <laughs> yeah, I wasn't ready for that. My eyes are. <laughs> <laughs> Warn us next time. 
It's, it's all the sunlight off the gleaming dome. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you guys did uh, Mud Pies, actually, not too long after we did it as our Game On Challenge. So I yeah. won't play the video, but if you want to do a little bit of an introduction there, Bo. Yeah, so, you know, Mud Pies, before going in, I just thought this was yet another example of the glorious history of the Cocoa uh, and its... Um, you know, um, homage series to other arcade games. But Mud Pies is, is pretty significantly different than uh, Food Fight. Uh, I found it to be uh, kind of a mishmash of Food Fight and Berserk because of the way that you're avoiding the enemies, the multiple rooms, etc. So, uh, yeah, I thought that this was uh, this is this is one that, that truly stands on its own. It's not just a clone of an existing game. Yeah, and you guys actually also touched on to the fact that this is uh, the, one of the earliest Atari ST ports, and the original programmers did the Coke one, did the right. ST version for That's the, right. For this Micron. game only received, as far as I know, it only received one additional port, and that was to the ST. So uh, it would be interesting to know if there were any other games that only appeared on the Coco and the Atari ST. <laughs> yeah, because a little bit later in Mictron's history, they started doing like Time Bandit. They ported that to the Amiga and the right. ST and the PC. Right. and. Cool. I mean, it's it's a it's a good half hour show on on it, and you guys both enjoyed it. And you know, talking about the health meters and everything else was kind of unique, like we did on our coverage of it. And you guys have like uh, the next one's already pre-recorded. I think you guys are. Yeah, Photon. Uh, Photon is going to be released here in a couple weeks. Uh, I believe it's going to come out on the uh, October eighteenth. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, the Coco Show rolls on. Cool. <clears throat> and then we get a, a, a boat twofer here. So for this is a show we have not covered as often, and, and some people might not even know what it is. Do you want to explain what This Week in Retro is, what it covers, and then kind of go into what uh, Coca relation it had this last week? Yeah, so uh, me and uh, Neil, otherwise known as RMC The Cave on YouTube, um, we, we about a year ago we started doing this show because we realized there really wasn't a weekly roundup of the biggest stories in the retro news world at large. And um, so we, we do this show uh, every week called This Week in Retro. And uh, this week, uh, the way that we just select our stories, because there are so many things going on, as you guys know, that it would be impossible to give a, a, a full rundown. So we have a subreddit. And whatever stories get upvoted the most on the subreddit are the ones that we decide that, that we, we talk about. And uh, this week, the, the Joust Transcode actually made the cut. Uh, so we, we talk about the Joust Transcode. I was just telling Curtis, uh, over the break that uh, it's it's unfortunate that I didn't know uh, that the uh, Defender transcode was coming because we would have just bumped it over and talked about Defender instead. But anyway, this this you know this this show reaches a bunch of people, and um, it, it's hopefully it'll turn some of them on to the Coco and the the whole transcode scene in general that's going on right now in the Coco. Yeah, and you guys are both really good hosts. I mean. I in Nick's case, I mean, he's he's got a huge audience. I mean, he's got I don't know how many thousand subscribers. Type yeah, thing, Neil so. Neil is a he's a prof he's a full time YouTuber. He's got over a hundred thousand subscribers. So uh, we reach a pretty big audience. I would say mostly because of him. I'm not saying that I'm not an international YouTube sensation, but you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're not saying that at all. Nobody even thought that either. So <laughs> that's working cool. on it. Working on it. That's cool. And thanks for covering that, by the way. That's that's really cool. Because I remember, no I remember they shot us. It was, I guess, it was Neil or you both shot the email saying, "Hey, do you mind if we use a clip from Coco Talk?" And I'm like, "Oh, absolutely. Go, go on, man. And whatever we can do to spread the word." Yeah, thank you, yeah. thank you for giving us permission for that. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, are, Stevie, in case they do get to Defender, are you going to make a video for that, or should we get somebody else? Uh, I think Ken has. Busy you are has, hasn't uh, Ken? Haven't you done one a Defender video? 
Uh, yeah, I did a Defender video last Monday or okay. Tuesday. I think. I, if okay. I can get so to one, one, I can. But luckily, there's one out there on the internet already, so it's not up. You know, your world's and not it's been mentioned in a few other videos. So I think Mr. Lurch mentioned it in one of his videos, and yeah, there's a couple of mentions of it coming up. Also, uh, a fellow person from the Amigos Discord, Z9K9, of course, was our high score winner for Defender this week, stomping the rest of us in the ground. And he actually uploaded a video of that gameplay too on the Discord. So that's another. I think if you actually to... added all of our scores together, he still beat us. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he's he's been getting high scores over on the Amigos Discord. I mean, him and Buck Owens have been kind of fighting for first place on every game that comes yeah, out. They, no they, they, they trade off on every game, so yeah, it's hard yeah. to beat those guys. Yeah, we're just uh, in the shadows of giants here at this point. Cool. Or just make it so his eyes aren't closed. <laughs> okay. There you go. Okay. So Joust made the rounds on a lot of podcasts. So this is the Retro Computing Roundtable podcast. And uh, it was actually a last minute add-on because I, I joined the show a few minutes in. I not joined the show, but I joined the, the chat YouTube live stream of it. And I mentioned that it was out. Now, I know Blake in the lower right corner there. He's actually a member of our uh, Coco group on Facebook. And I, I can't remember if he's on our Discord, Blake Patterson. But he's, he's one of the guys that actually on the panel that has been is into the Coco these days. And uh, what's his real name? Ottoman Express in the lower left there. He's actually a fellow Canadian, but he's also a person that had the Coco 2 when he grew up. That was his first real machine that he got. He has and, one behind him there. Right uh, no, that's a printer, I think. Or, or no, that's a oh, there's a Coco right by his right ear. Right, oh, right Blake's mean. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, behind Blake. <laughs> I was looking at Ottomans. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, no, Blake actually uh, actively using it. So uh, I, I mentioned in the chat that it was out and they quickly took a look at it. And of course, Glenn Hewlett's original video demonstrating it. And uh, they were very impressed with it too. And kind of, you know, basically stunned about the quality and, and how close it is to the arcade game. So that was awesome. another one that got the arounds here. That's cool. And this is, uh, that's, that's Glenn Hewlett's uh, GitHub page. And he's actually got, as you can see, the top two lines. There is the Joust Coco 3 source code and the Defender Coco 3 source code. So if you want to see how he did the magic, he's actually got the original code, as I mentioned earlier, from the actual Williams games embedded in the comments and the rem out when he had to change them. And if he didn't have to change something, and then he just left it like some of the logic. The graphics are done differently. The, uh, the original arcade hardware is a 256 color palette. He had to convert that to... Uh, the 64 color palette in the cocoa it's oriented differently the res is a little bit different and you know he had to shrink the scanner on the top by about half the height to get it to fit properly even in the 225 line mode um one cool thing about defender like it doesn't actually have a sound chip like a traditional it has a little sound board which is a 6808 which is kind of a 6802 6803 base thing like the msc 10 running basically uh, ROMs with DAC samples on it. So it's basically the same way we do digitized samples on the Coco. Hmm. It just, it was on a separate board. You'd send it a, a one byte code and say, you know, code five, play an explosion sound. And it would just go run off and do it on its own. And Glenn had to incorporate all that. But he actually got to copy the 8-bit samples over. And from what I understand from my brief look at the code is that the samples in there are still 8-bit. Now we have to convert them to six to put them on the DAC. But that means with a fairly minor patch, we should be able to get it to play full 8-bit quality on, say, an Orchestra 90, if you happen to have one, right. on one of the channels. So I might patch that at some point, too. And then we have to get Nick, of course, to do his joystick overriding he, stuff. He's a Beatles fan. Yeah, he's, Nowhere he's Man. He's a real Nowhere Man, yeah. Cool. Thank you, Glenn. We're going to Nowhere Land, uh -huh. Canada. This one here... Um, and my Spanish absolutely sucks, so I can't really tell you too much about it. No, this is David Gisbert. It goes by Tromax on here. And he did an hour-long video <clears throat> about his Dragon 200. 
which of course is the uh, what the dragon got called when Eurohard bought brought it into, and started manufacturing in Spain after Dragon Data shut down. <clears throat> so he kind of goes through the machine a bit here, and you can see it here with the Dragon 200 label, and of course, like you know, slightly different colors and stuff there too. Um, so he demonstrates various games. He's running it all on real hardware from all original cartridges. So the, this is where we get into a lot of the third-party cartridges from you know Spectral Associates, Computerware, Mark Data Products, Tom Mix on cartridge, which we didn't really get here in, in, in North America. And he goes through a, a bunch of these games and shows them all off with shows you the original cartridge, plugs it in, slaps it in, and starts playing the game type thing. So for those of you who want to see some like live dragon action, it's a pretty good, it's about an hour long. So lots of good gaming goodness in there. Nice. Little LED indicator on there. Yeah, too. the power on yeah. indicator. Um, this next one here. This is uh, Mr. Lurcher's things on YouTube. This is the one that Ken was referring to. So that's uh, Jason Weber. He's actually been in our Coco group lately, too. G'day, Internet. Welcome back to another video. And sipped handy. Just. In this video, I want to cover off something I've actually wanted to cover since last September. If you remember a Coco 3 video I did, uh, I featured a couple of indie games by Nick Morenti's. Oh, uh, Australian Coco Loser. Games developer. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing this part uh, here because Nick paid me. It kind of got me thinking at the time <laughs> that there is actually quite a vibrant uh, homebrew and indie um, development community out there for the Coco. Now, I know that the C64 and everything else always gets the highlights with new games that come out, but... The Coco is. Where's this guy at? Jersey? He's got an accent. Crikey's <laughs> <laughs> from Jersey. <laughs> anyway, he covers some of Nick's. Basically, he's covering uh, some of his favorite games uh, that have played that have been released in the last year. So he's covering some of Nick's games because Nick, of course, did you know Pipes and he did uh, Rally right. SG. He covers both transcodes um, from Glenn Hewlett. Um, even showed a brief bit of zero hour from one of uh, Nick's V blogs, and, and he covered Digger Three as well, which he actually is his favorite game out of out of the batch that he's played so far. But of course, I mean, there's some other stuff too we didn't get into. Like I did send him a list. Like there's some of the, uh, you know, Coco VGA Poker Star or Poker Squares games and stuff, and and then you know numerous others. The Space War that uh, Rich, I can't remember his last name, did. But there's been a bunch of other ones too. I mean, right. it's, it's been a busy year. Yeah, yeah. So he just kind of picked some of the best ones to show it off. So. It's a really, really interesting video, though, because he's, he's new to a lot of these games here. He didn't even realize that Joust and Defender, like, he's never played arcade Joust before, mm. which is just floors me. But yeah. um, he was you know, saying these are really good, but he didn't realize how close to the arcade game they are. So the comment section was actually quite interesting to read, too. Nice to see the Coco getting some love all over the place. And this one, this one came out as a bit of a surprise. I know Jay Cyril's been helping us do the documentation for the Nitrous 9 Ease of Use project. He's been working on with Brett Gordon that networking game, that isometric Coco Three game that's going to be networked. Yeah, and uh, apparently he's also been working on converting the Eight Bit Guys uh, Petsky Robots game, which has Web One conversion. I think the Apple Two done by independent people, and he's actually working on the uh, Coco version of it. So he's got a couple screenshots just to show how oh, far wow. he's gotten. Now he's basing this on the original. Um, pet version which uh -huh. is what the Bit guys original version was which is a, a, a monochrome machine right but it's a monochrome machine with 40 comms it requires a 320 screen to fully get the details so right now this is coco 3 only uh -huh. using a 320 by 200 by two color mode um if he shrank 
the tiles and stuff down a bit, he could get it to run the Coco One too. It sounds like at this point that's not something he wants to do because this is a lot faster because it, it's even bite. Yeah, offsets and stuff here too. But uh, yeah, I didn't even know he was doing this, so that was a quite a surprise. So he just started and he was getting the you know the setup for the main screen, etc. So those of you who've seen the game, and it's been not. ported to a couple platforms. I think there's an Atari 8-bit version now too. I can't remember. Is it in Basic? No, it's uh, machine language. Like it's it's four way scrolling and the whole bit. Yeah, I so, have it for the uh, pet. It's uh, it's available for the the Apple II series, the Atari, um, almost all of the uh, Commodore machines. Uh, there's works in progress for the Plus Four and the One Twenty Eight, and the Kogo now. And, and he's and working on the Commander Sixteen port too, because yes. he's making that computer himself with uh, yeah. somebody else. Cool. Well, does yeah, he I have like to the convert the six six five zero two over to six eight zero nine to do that? Or yeah, so far it's only on sixty five zero two systems. Uh, the Coco will be the first non sixty five zero two. Yeah, right. I'd like. But basically, to for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a top view, but it's kind of an isometric three D look. Like the walls, like you can see, like the robots drawn here. It's kind of like that, and it's a four way scroller running around and doing various things, going between rooms and opening doors and collecting weapons and shooting things and stuff. So it's actually quite a fun game. You can check it out on the 8-Bit eight, eight Guys channel. He's got videos of it there. But he's been selling it. Stevie, did you see it when you were at uh, VCF Midwest? Because I know he was selling it there and demonstrating it. I, I thought he was selling his ex-commander, whatever the hell it's called, game. I didn't see this there. I didn't really look too much at what he was selling, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. I know he was selling yeah. something, but I thought it was yeah, his he other, had this. He had this thing. running on his Commander X-16 there. Okay. Um, the How far he's gotten on it so far. Okay. Actually, I'll just stop sharing the series so we can show Sloopy because he's actually holding up the, the box for it. Oh, that's I cool. Like Sloopy. I like the cover. It's got kind of 1950s sci-fi look to it, right? Attack of the Petsky robots. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good we're getting a port of that. So that's another new one coming up. Yeah, I got the I Apple version around here somewhere. <laughs> I hope that it includes the adapter that comes in this box. What's the adapter? Yeah, it, it makes it so you can play the with the Nintendo joystick. Super, uh, Nintendo. Super Nintendo joystick. Okay. Yeah, this is the uh, Commodore version. Nice packaging. It, it, you don't get that with the Apple version, so it's just with no. the Commodore versions. Yeah, there, there's a um, adapter uh, in in the works for the Atari version, um, and the they're working on something for the Apple also. Oh, okay. There's actually a guy in Germany that makes an uh, Apple version. He goes from Nintendo to Apple. I have a couple of them. Oh, okay. Anyways, it's cool. That's another new game project going on for the Coco that I wasn't even aware of until this. So, week. is this an official port? Or is this something that Jay just decided he's going to do on his own? I think it's an official port, from what I understand. It's official because I saw in the uh, Facebook chat, uh, David Murray actually was in there. He said that because uh, people were saying that this should be ported over. And he commented that he already sent his source code to somebody and somebody's working on it. Okay. So. Cool. So no no expected time release or anything yet. No no schedule, but uh, it's definitely in the works and on its way. Nice. Thank you. Yes, you're too kind. And thank you. Next up, we have a brief little video from Mr. Dave609. who put this up in our Discord. And it shows some concept art. And he kind of scrolls through it on the Coco to show a Battle City game clone, which is originally on a Nintendo. He's thinking about doing the Coco Three, and he's got a couple other game projects on the on the go too. So he's starting to get like Nick and doing multiple things at once. What the heck? That's very tile graphic-y looking. Yeah, 
basically this is basically just loading in a screen that's larger than the screen that's right. hard for scrolling, scrolling through, through just to show yeah. what it looks like then yeah. you see the tank there in the bottom brick wall yeah. trees etc. that's cool very cool uh next up here sheldon mcdonald's also working on uh he's working on a 3d engine right yeah, now yeah i saw that mode. that's neat Unfortunately, you got a lot of banding on your exhibit, but you're driving through a, like a little car or yeah. something, tank or a 3D. Yeah, the rotation on this thing is real smooth. And he's got a second video, which is kind of demonstrating the same thing, if I remember. Well, that's supposed to play anyway. Grand Theft Coco, John Lowry says. <laughs> <laughs> Grand Theft Coco. <laughs> Uh, the reason it's not playing he's a Facebook talented too. man too that sheldon mcdonald anyway what this one does is just take the word coco and just rotates it around oh, that's so it's, cool. it's experimenting with the 3d Neat. algorithms and stuff we've seen 3d games like rommel 3d rommel's revenge firecopter is another one on the coco one and two before um his actually from what i saw in that previous video we showed i think he's even got some line of sight stuff because when he drove into the little alcove like the outside walls disappeared so you couldn't see past it so i'm not sure if that's just a trick he did or if he's actually checking to see what's visible beyond a wall type thing which is a bit more advanced than most of the others did most of them are completely wireframe see-through sure. stuff right right i i think he does it in steps of eight doesn't he the uh rotation yeah that's yeah he did that for faster calculation to make the table yeah. smaller he mentioned that in the comments uh, oh there yes. it is co 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 yeah that's yeah, because doing doing it with these smaller increments, like Nick said, actually makes the table smaller, makes it much faster to render. You're not doing the, you know, exquisite calculations you have to do for odd angles, mm -hmm. and that would be good enough to get a, a real time three dimensional game going sure. at a really good clip. So, right, especially at a lower resolution, yeah. like a P mode one or something. Robert and Sieg. This was an, yep. So I, I will mention this as a kind of a side note for our MC10 special. We've been trying to get a hold of Robert for the entire month or so, and neither Jim Gary nor I were getting uh, answers back from him. And for some reason, I, I think what happened is I think it must have went to spam or something. Both of our sets of emails, and he finally found out that we were trying to contact him. He got a hold of me this week, so I've added him to the MC10 special that's coming up on October the 23rd. Um, so he will be another guest and he sent me, I don't know if you saw that email, Stevie, but a whole list of stuff he wants to talk about. So okay. I'm not sure we can fit everything. I think what we might do is tell him to pick a couple things to cover on, on the MC 10 special, and then we'll bring him on for a full blown interview okay. next year. To that sounds good. Anyway, uh, him and uh, Jim Gary collaborated and made a Boulder Dash game for the MC 10, which they made available on the MC 10 Facebook group. So you can grab that. They even made a little word document, a one page set of instructions you can download as well. So is there a picture of it here? No, unfortunately, they didn't put one up. Okay. And the, the manual doesn't either. It just has text explaining the keys and stuff. So okay. I don't know what it looks like. If uh, Ken, if you, I know you're going to be active on the MC10 special, and I know we'll have a different game selected for the thing, which I'm not even sure what it's going to be now because uh, we're waiting for Robert to vote and see if mm. that changes the results again. But uh, if, if you have time between then and now to maybe download this and give it a try and maybe just you know show it on that special just to show what it looks like because I have no idea. Yeah, I could uh, look into that. If Jim okay. Gary puts this in his repo, we can pull it directly into the Coco Pie because Coco Pie will do a Jim Gary uh, get pull of all his stuff. So we can look for it that way too. Yeah. I also mentioned uh, going back to Jay Cyril's doing that Petsky thing. He's the one who did that uh, that 
Coco Three was it called? Coco. I can't remember what it's called. He, he did a that, farming, that food game. farming thing. We yeah, showed? the farming thing. Yeah, like Farmville type thing. Yeah, so I got permission from him to put it on the archive because I went took a look and it's actually not there. Okay. And the latest version he didn't even have on Facebook. Like he kind of just sent it privately to some certain people. He said, "Yeah, I kind of forgot to upload it everywhere." So I'll be uh, putting that up on on the archive probably this okay. upcoming week. Cool, talented guy. That's it for the game news for now. All Do you right. want to go straight into the regular stuff? Or? Yeah, let's go straight into the regular stuff. While I'm still awake. <laughs> go play some Defender. That'll wake you up. Yeah, right? And you can have it all. That song's going to be stuck in my head now. My empire of dirt. Do, 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 do. Why is your browser not up to the... There you go. All right. James yeah, I, I, I had the other windows shut, you know, pushed James Diffendaffer. <laughs> In honor of Septambi, here is some Mandelbrot code ported from AppleSoft Basic. Yeah, this seems to be a common thing this this month here because there's been a few Mandelbrot programs. I even converted a couple to Basic 9 just to see what the speed difference would be. There was one that was done in a 40-column text mode with 16 colors, very low res. And it was done by a YouTuber that was comparing it between like a Spectrum and a, uh, what machines, a Commodore 64 he had in there and a few others. So he had some Commander 16, I think, was in there too. So he was comparing the speeds in Basic of, of drawing these things. And uh, I ported it over to Basic 9, and I think we beat everybody except for the Commander 16 and the Spectrum next by a pretty handy margin. And that's running on a stock Coco, not a you know a modern upgrade like the other two machines that beat it were. So, but yeah, James did one uh, honoring basically the uh, Septandi thing. So he's got the source code here. It's based on the Apple II version, and he's got some pictures of it here. Wow. Um, and then he was also he's got the hardware multiply patch he's patch basic so that floating point multiplication is a lot faster okay so that's what he was mainly using it for was to compare the speeds here and then he re-updated for the palette so it looks a bit better and this is the one i based my basic 9 version on and my basic 9 version i think did it in about half the time that his did okay but still his was 40 percent faster than the original standard super extended basic so it shows that if you're doing something with a lot of multiplication, it's a pretty small patch to it. It's like maybe 40 bytes you poke in. And if you're doing a lot of things with multiplication, it speeds up pretty drastically. So for basic programmers, if you need that kind of stuff for table lookups or you know math or doing you know 3D rendering or whatever, I would definitely download his little source code here and then just take the patch part. Because any Coco 3, of course, boots up in RAM mode, so you can patch basic, no problem. <clears throat> and just do those few bytes of pokes, and then, then your program will speed up too. So... Thanks to him for sharing that community. He's um, also going to be on the MC10 special, and he's going to be talking about some of the basic optimizations he's done on the MC10, which includes stuff like this, because that has a hardware multiply instruction, too, that was never used in Microsoft Basic. It's going to be a fun special. We're going to try to see if we can make Stevie's head explode again. Oh, yeah. Tandy Color Computer S-Video Mod. Bye. Yeah, this was an interesting one, so I'll play a little bit of it here. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Retro Channel. And yes, as we're still in Septandi, we're going to look at some more Tandies. Today we're checking out the Color Computer 2 and also the Dragon 32. These are both hopefully going to get S-Video modifications, uh, especially the Coco 2, as it only comes with an RF output. So we definitely need something more modern for that. And the Dragon 32 actually does have composite video output, so it's not so much of a priority to get S video from a Dragon 32, but we may as well have a look, see what we can do. Anyway, okay. I hope I play the whole video, but he goes through it. And he, last year for September, he did a composite mod for a Coco 1. 
And he was always a bit bugged that it took so many parts to get it to work. So these are greatly simplified. There's much less parts, much less soldering. And uh, they turned out pretty good on the Coco. The, uh, he got it so it runs composite or S-Video. You can switch between them. And this video looks quite nice. It really cleans up the signal. The Dragon, unfortunately, <coughs> the S-Video wasn't as much of a difference from the composite. So he questions at the end of the video. He said, yeah, you can do it, but it doesn't. Is it worth the effort? He's basically he's getting at. And he says he's not so sure it is. So he kind of called it a half a mod. Hmm. Okay. But he goes right in the details. He shows you, you know, like where to solder and what he's doing and all the parts listed that you needed for both. And it's it's a much smaller parts list than you needed last time. I don't think there's a single chip, actually. I think it's all like capacitors and diodes and whatever else. All this hardware stuff that I soldered by hair by accident. So pretty pretty interesting video. And if you have the monitors these days that have the S-Video support, it's, it's definitely as cleaner than even composite. Okay, this one here is uh, Retro Tech Toys. is not a channel I've seen before, but he did a Septandi video showing uh, much needed maintenance to his Coke, 64K Coke 2. And there was this mainly a dodgy RF connector because basically when he plugged the RF, the, the, the RCA cable into the RF, it actually would wiggle around almost loose. So he's having some issues with it there. So it goes into, you know, diagnosing the problem, going into fixing it, and then getting it up and running again. Um, but it was just nice seeing another new YouTuber, you knew the Coco that I've seen, never seen before, covering the Coco as part of Septandi. I really like the Septandi thing. I mean, for last year's the first year we really covered it yeah. in earnest, yeah. and it's it's been phenomenal. And this is another Septandi one. Now this one was done by uh, Tom Parlier. I'm not familiar with him, but he actually has a Gimme X, and he actually this is showing all 256 colors on the screen once one of the 256 color modes. And then he actually does a little bit of palette animation of it. Oh wow. And I'm not sure what Resi's picked in this particular case, if it's 320 by 200 by 256, but you can definitely see some of the color possibilities of the Gimme X. So as the Gimme X starts getting out in bulk here, as it slowly catches up on all the back orders and wishful orders and stuff there, um, hopefully it'll start getting enough of a base that'll convince people like Nick to actually you know, make a game for it if there's enough of a user base of it to make it warrantable. Not at this point, because it's basically only gone out to beta testers and the early order people that got him to install it because he was kind of like testing on different gimmies and stuff. But uh, once it becomes a fully commercial product, which should be pretty darn quick, assuming chip shortages don't affect him, I'd love to see some cool stuff for it. Now, this is a really good one too. And this is not somebody I know either. Um, are you, any of you familiar with Scott Baker? Who's SM Baker no. YT for his YouTube channel? No. He is on the Coco group. <clears throat> um, and the... Uh, he did a video showing a whole bunch of upgrades. So he got a 16K extended basic Coco 2 that he got off eBay. And he decided to upgrade the living crap out of it. So he upgraded 64K. He had a composite video mod. Then he built his own multi-pack interface. Wow. And 3D printed the case for it on top of it. So he just went like all whole hog here and just massively upgraded. And it's, a, it's actually quite a good video. He's got a lot of cool stuff in here. Um, That's the multi-pack there. It's got a dial on it. I will mention here, this uh, Coco 2 he got was advertised as new, and it I think it is. I wow. mean, it, the packaging has been opened and stuff, but... But yeah, it's still in the plastic. It's, it's the... pristine white. It's yeah. still got the plastic wrap even around the manuals. And here we go for stupid YouTube oh, ads. Wow, that's a great mod right there. That's yeah, awesome. That. You work it, girl. Just no, remember, hair products... Hair. The, the hair product ad is here specifically for people like Boat. And, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, listen. 
right. just trying to vamp here to get rid of this stupid griffle. Yeah, that's but a you super can see how white color. this is. Like, this is, is pristine. There's no yeah. yellowing at all. Oh, hell yeah. And it's one of the medium in between cocoas because it's got the full travel keyboard, but it's still the old Radio Shack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Levels on it. All right. Gorgeous. Oh! And did he break his warranty oh, he's, seal? He's about to. <laughs> yes, oh, he no. did. Oh, the warranty seal was untouched. Look how, Look how clean, clean that motherboard even the is. inside is. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm that's used to like, people getting eBay ones filled with spider webs. Yeah, this is like white room clean here. This is really nice. Yeah. Okay. This is like it was pulled from the Tandy Warehouse. Okay. Yeah, look at that. Ooh. This, really well, this is going shiny the reflection off the motherboard still. It's got... Yeah, more ads. But anyway, All right, go check go. out the video. <clears throat> it's got a lot of cool stuff in there, and um, he's actually planning on getting a Coco VGA. In fact, he'd ordered it ready, but then he found out that Brendan, just like you know, everybody else, is you know months behind trying to get parts, so he can't get, unfortunately, as a Coco VGA for a few months yet. Whose iPhone's ringing right now? That's mine. It's not okay. supposed to be linked up to my computer at the moment, but Cheap okay. Way to next up, Scotty love. Animation, which we have covered some of his videos before. He's, he's, he was the one who was really impressed with Extended Basic last week because mm -hmm. he's actually been doing a bunch of basic stuff on Ataris and Commodore 64s, doing graphics specifically. And of course, the Coco actually had one of the most powerful basics for doing graphics uh, from the 8 bit era. Um, and it was actually the precursor to the GWiz basic on the IBM PC that, you know, that's where the play command, the draw command was all done on the Coco first and then poured it over. So in this case here, he does a thing on just generally how to load cassette software on retro computers. But because he was so enamored with the Coco last week, he actually did the Coco for the whole video as the base unit to show what to do you know, on how to set up your, your MP3 players on your phone or whatever else to import the files in and demonstrates how to you know adjust volume levels, et cetera. So it's more of a tutorial video this time. But uh, I, I just like the fact that he's his videos for the past year have all been other platforms and because he's so fell in love with the basic here, I think he actually stuck with the Coco here for a, a generic video on, on any retro system. So I thought that was cool. Also just dropped recently with the latest issue of the Coco Crew podcast. So things of note on this particular episode are the tech segment covers how to add commands to basic, which is actually something that um, I'm trying to remember the guys in Colin Stearman. And Rainbow had a whole series of it because he had uh, cooking with cocoa was called, and it was basically he taught you how to add new commands to Basic, how to link it into Basic because Microsoft designed it to be extendable. That's why you can put a color based ROM. You just added extended based ROM and it immediately adds all those commands. You added this based ROM, it immediately adds all the commands. And then other people took advantage of this, like uh, uh, like say ADOS or ADOS three. They added even more commands, but people have added graphics commands. Nick and I have been trying to find, there's a guy in Tasmania that made a pretty enhanced basic for gaming sprites and stuff, I think basically is, is what we found. Cause we found the manual part, but we can't find the software. I'd love to see what that runs like. But he covers it basically how to do that. So if you're interested in actually extending basic with your own commands, uh, that's a kind of a tech segment to teach you how to do that. Um, he's also got, or they've also got a, a discussion on uh, what to expect from a developer kit. And this is basically how much support you should expect if you're getting an early developer kit, because some developers will release something planning to make it a product. They just get out early so people can write software for it. So they tend to be very supportive. They'll help you out if you have problems, they'll send you updates if the firmware needs updating, et cetera. And I think most of the Cocoa community falls under that. Like Ed Snyder's been sending updates for the Gimme X since us beta testers had it two years ago. Um, but there's some others, and this is a problem I think that all retro communities hit, where sometimes you get this product, it sounds really cool. You get a first version of it, not quite working right, and then the guy just drops it. And he kind of discussed, they kind of discussed, you know, the 
the caveats of, about having that type of a relationship too. And then, you know, going into like what level of support should you expect? Like if you're ordering a developer kit, should you expect more than that? Or are you taking a risk and just, you know, this may never become a real product and you might have something that only half works or something like that. So that's an interesting discussion. And then uh, Neil's corner, he reviewed the USB power for the Coco 2. We covered the USB, I think it's Tim Halloran who's actually powering the Coco 3 he showed on Facebook from a USB port. There's no plug into the wall at all. It's totally powered by USB. And this actually is a version that he'd sent Neil earlier that actually powers the Coco 2. So I didn't even know the Coco 2 version was out because I guess the voltage might be a little bit different or the power draws a little bit different. So he kind of reviews that, so that's cool. Anyway, there's a bunch of other stuff in the episode. So go grab it and take a listen. This next one, this, this is a show starting to rival the length of Coco Talk here. So this is an audio podcast, and it's a retro computer podcast, uh, generally covering various platforms. But they have a couple segments in here that talk about the dragon, um, and it's in Spanish. But the show is four hours long. Kind of remind you of anybody. Um, and in this bigger case, they talk about the dragon in general. And uh, unfortunately, they don't have the closed captioning option on this one, so I can't translate it. So I'm just kind of going by translating the show notes at the bottom. But they do a review of Backtrack for the Dragon, which we've shown on the show before too, which is that kind of top 3D view where you're trying to escape the maze and avoid snakes and stuff like that on the Dragon. Really, really cool looking game for the you know Dragon or the Coco 1, 2 level machines. So anyway, if you speak Spanish or if you know somebody's in Spanish and in Coco's, this would be an excellent podcast to, to listen to. This one caused a bit of controversy. So this is... Uh, Noel's uh, Retro Computer Lab, and uh, for those of you on the Coco group and Facebook and the Dragon group and Facebook, he posted links to this. So he's trying to figure out, is the Dragon a clone of the Coco? I mean, obviously, it's got some improvements, like it has a, you know, a real parallel port and it had you know, a better quality keyboard than even the Coco 3 has, which I have to agree with. Um, but he's saying like the fact that the cartridge port is you know, pin compatible with the Cocos and didn't have to be. I mean, you could have just changed signals around. The joystick ports are completely compatible, etc. He's going, this is pretty well cloned. He figures they change the tokens in basic and change the keyboard wiring just enough so the lawyers wouldn't come after them from Tandy. Um, so I wanted to kind of ask here because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I think that is partly true. I do know they did some optimizations. They both had the same Microsoft basic, you know, from Microsoft. That was Microsoft control, not there, though they did tweak it. What is your guys' opinion on was the Coke or was the Dragon designed as a clone of the Coco or was it designed off the reference design from Motorola and just happened to? Have? <laughs> well, as much as we want here, Stevie's on the phone, so you can't tell. Stop. So go ahead. So what? I what think, is your opinion, Marco, on, on that? My opinion, you... I think they built it from the reference design, but they also realized. I mean, the Coco One and Two was available in England at the time, UK. So they probably figured that they're piggybacking on you know existing uh, knowledge and hardware and software. I mean, you know, it's, what, it's that's what Franklin shortcomings. did. Yeah. Doesn't which one came first? Kind of fixed. Co Coco One came out in 1980. The Dragon 32 came out in 1982. Done. That's it. I saw Franklin did the same thing with, uh, you know, the Apple II and they got sued for it. Whereas, you know, uh, you know, Dragon Data made it different enough that you could say it wasn't quite the same, but it really was. That's my opinion. Yeah, like, like, like Tim Gilbert's in the chat. He's saying it's not a clone. Like he's emphatic about it repeated it four times. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I had a phone call. I was on mute for a little bit. But are we asking, is the Dragon the clone of the Coco? Yeah, that's what his discussion here. Now, yeah. Noel comes up, he, th he thinks it is. He thinks it was specifically designed to be a clone. And just different enough, the lawyers wouldn't come after it. Mm, 
I, I, I would say no. Um, this is my opinion. I mean, it's based on the Motorola reference model, and that blueprint was already made out to the public. It happens to use that. There are enough things different about it where it's not different. I will say, and I think this was mentioned on the Dragon Talk special when we talked to, um, who was the guy who worked for... Um, Dragon Data, who did the BIOS and everything, too. I can't remember his name. Duncan Smith? Yeah. Yeah, so Duncan, he went out to Microsoft, right? So he met with Microsoft, and I think they Microsoft Microsoft steered them towards a few design changes to make it compatible with code that was already written. So it was more of a, you know, for simplicity, plug-and-play reasons, they they made a few choices because Microsoft already written the code to talk to like the you know the bus and all PIAs that kind of stuff for the keyboard yeah. and stuff yeah yeah so they did change like but, the but it would it it happened on its own it wasn't inspired by they certainly weren't trying to capture the U.S. market on computers there were enough U.K. computers out there they didn't need to do that it just it just uh, it was just a complete coincidence in my opinion but uh, anyways I don't know. This based on uh, what? Mention one, so like some of the things that Noel mentioned. I mean, one, I mean, the, the standard Motorola reference design that covers the CPU, the VDG, the SAM. So obviously that's, they're both basing it on Motorola. Um, the, his, his specific points that he thought proved that it was a clone was A, the cartridge connector is exactly the same pinout. Every single one of the 40 pins is exactly the same pin in the same spot. There's no reason to do that other than to make it compatible. Um, two, he, he pointed out that the keyboard is laid out exactly the same. They didn't move a single key. Um, and then back then, I mean, keyboards were quite different between different machines okay. as far as the way okay. they place things. Okay, so. he's, start, he's starting, he's starting to much. lean me. Starting, <laughs> starting, starting <laughs> to lean. I'm starting to lean here. Okay. No. The joysticks. But, Joystick but were, these de- were these design elements part of the reference design? No. no. The, the reference design didn't have um, didn't have joystick ports, right? Or serial ports, like the Bitbanger and stuff, right? Yeah. Well, the serial port is different because the Dragon... Actually, I guess the Dragon 32 had the parallel port. Like, it had a real parallel port for the printer, which is something I wish the Coco had because it takes way less CPU time. It's way faster. Um, And then the Dragon 64, of course, upgraded and actually added a real 6551 like the Deluxe Coco was supposed to have, but never we never saw that. Or the external. Or the RS-232 back. Yeah, it was an external card. Tim Tim is following up by saying Duncan wrote the key scanning and it was different. The same layout is strange, but the matrix is different. Maybe someone who helped... Maybe someone who helped them do it knew the Coco keys. I don't know. Yeah, I, I let's for let's, so to to use the word clone. I think the question when you put the word clone in quotes is what is what was the intent behind this? Because when you look at the Brazilian clones, I mean that was one hundred percent shade, right? Yeah. They're like you know, it's screw copyright laws. We're going to make whatever the hell we want. And the case and, was the same. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there was there was no shady intent here. This was a legit system that was being made as a UK or Wales, you know, uh, European product. Um, it wasn't meant to cash in on another market. I, I, I don't feel that was ever part of the mentality behind this. I just, I think it's, you know. Yeah, my, my personal feeling is that it wasn't meant to be a clone. It was definitely based on the same reference designs. I think when they found out that the Coco was also based on the same reference design, they said, you know, basically the same thing. Like, we can set it up so that it's more compatible than it would have been if we just completely clean roomed it. So they tried to make, like, if, if you want to make a game running on keyboard, Moving all the keys around would mean you'd have to reprogram the game, right? Like if the arrows were in the diamond shape of the curve, right. for example, some keyboard games are impossible to play. So I think following that uh, would have made sense as a kind of a freebie to get some extra compatibility. Now, you did have to patch some games still, but not as much. And joystick-based games, you basically didn't have to patch at all. They just ran, you know, the, the, right. the same way. Um, 
the keyboard is is better quality on the dragon and has right. been since the dragon 32 i mean it's basically like the mark data products keyboard and as somebody pointed out in the chat i think it might it might have been tim you know there's yeah. lots of third-party keyboards that were better than the tandy ones even back in you know 82 83 so the extended basic uh hence basic is actually uh, tokenized differently but all you have to do is just save the basic program as ASCII yeah, and then reload it. Right, because so Microsoft I mean, already had the source code. So in order to make the yeah. source code the most compatible, they, it's like, why reinvent any wheels? Yeah. The thing and that is, was under is, Microsoft's control, not Tandy or Direct Dragons. For the, well, not completely. But the one place where they did definitely have a huge break between the two of them, where they're not compatible with each other in the slightest, is the disk. Uh, the, the disk the, system. This basic and the disk format and everything else, right? Yeah, Dragon DOS is based on sectors, not granules. It uh, handles 40 and 80 track disks natively. Like it has a whole whack load of things that's not supported by the Coco until I mean, you get to OS. The directory is a totally different track, but it's not a clone, but I mean, it's close enough that if you're programming from one, you can easily program for the other with just minor things. Our uh, supply too. Yeah. yeah. Well, regardless, I mean, it's, it's so it's 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 a great question. I'm not sure what the intended result of the video was. If we're trying to get people to polarize a decision, or is it a thought experiment? At this point, does it matter because neither company exists? But um, I think it was just an interesting topic because yeah. I mean, Noel's kind of new to both of them. Okay. In the last year or so, so for him, he's finally got the two side by side. And he's going, you know, this is really a lot the same. Right, you can, right. you know, he was testing you like, you know, can I load a game from one on the other, you know, take the dragon cartridge, stick it in the right, cocoa type thing. Right, and he discovered right. some work, some don't. So I, I'm on, I come on your side, Steve, where it's, it's not quite a clone, but I think they did go out of their way in a couple specific spots to try to make it as compatible as possible to encourage hardware and software developers well, to make. For well, when you make a clone of something like you, you when, to me, when you if, if you want to if you want to make the word clone a dirty word, like is this a clone, like, you know, in a in a in a vindictive way, I would look at what was the intent. Right. So when you look at a PC clone, 100 percent of the intent of PC clones was to cash in on the market. If I can make a machine that's compatible with the software people are running, people are going to buy my machine. So there was a specific deliberate intent to make something to profit from. I don't think the clone aspect of this was meant to capitalize and profit from the huge, I'm using an all due sarcasm, huge Cocoa software market that lived in the, in the European region. You know what I mean? I don't think that um, that was part of the intent of it. You know, my opinion, I don't know. I wasn't there, you know. So, um, yeah. And the thing is that the Cocoa 1 and 2, or the Cocoa 2 specifically, was sold at Tandy stores in the UK, but those weren't common stores. I, I, a lot of people we've talked to in the UK said they never saw Cocoa in the wild. Right, it wasn't a popular machine. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, if you were going to clone anything, clone a BBC Micro or an Acorn Atom or a Spectrum or Sinclair, whatever, you know, clone something yeah. that... And, and also, their own, what's the motivation to making a clone? If it's like, why, why would I buy Fred's computer when I've already got Commodore? So it has to do everything, but it has to be cheaper, right? So the only the reason why clones exist was, well, you know, Big Blue wants X number of dollars for a real IBM PC, but, you know, Compaq or whatever can come in and sell us a cheaper version of a good enough equivalent. Clones need to do everything and have a, comp a compelling reason to buy. I, I don't think there was any cost benefit to buying a Dragon versus a Coco, you know, so... When Mark Siegel uh, uh, comes on the show, you can always ask him why Tandy didn't uh, pursue legal action against Dragon. Yeah, that'll be an interesting question because, I mean, most stuff outside the States was controlled by Intertan, which is kind of like a sister corp. Mm. It wasn't directly under the control of Fort Worth, so he might not have had any say in that whatsoever, even if he did have strong thoughts on it. But yeah, no, Tandy UK never 
never went after Dragon. As far as I know, there was never even a thought of a lawsuit. Yeah, yeah Matt in the live chat is pointing out that clone isn't necessarily derogatory either. So maybe the questioning here isn't putting a uh, slant on it's the word compatible. Clone. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it's, it's a good question to ask, especially if you're new to the system and you weren't sure. Um, but I think there's enough information out there to say that this is just a, uh, you know. I like the idea of clone or terming it a compatible, not or mostly compatible uh, right. rather than a clone, because it's got enough unique features to it that I think. Right. Well, you that, that's it. the thing, too. Back in the days of the PC, there was uh, there were IBM clones and IBM compatibles or MS-DOS compatible systems where, you know, it would run the operating the system. But it might Tandy not 2000. Run the 1000 series. Yeah. Right you know yeah. What I mean? so, that's right. Um, so that word was clone and compatible was used in the PC, early early PC market, you know, when, when IBM wonder, was still a player. I wonder which computer might have used the uh, 6309 first. Coco, I'm pretty sure. The Coco, yeah. Hmm. They were uh, Kevin Darling and a few of them actually had them years before they knew about the special features. Hmm. They just bought it because it was cheap and it would handle overclocking better. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, uh, there's been discussion on the the, rag, the Dragon Group on Facebook, the Coco Group on Facebook, which had mm -hmm. links to this video, and on the actual YouTube comments. So if you guys want to you know, continue the discussion with some of the other people. Right, and this video has gotten like 9,000 views. So the fact that people are watching this and even thinking about this and having this conversation, it's good for both of our communities at this point, to be yep. honest with you. you know, it's shedding some light on that these machines are out there. So yeah, it's no such thing as bad publicity, right? So yeah. Uh, I mean, even goes through the Coco SDC, you know, having the one switch to switch between dragon now, mode. Does, and... do, do the dragon folk ever ask the question, when is a dragon no longer a dragon? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard when that When are they question. distorting the hobby? Have they distorted, are we distorting our dragons at this point? No, okay. So, cool. <laughs> cool. Okay. Anyway, really good discussion topic, I thought. Ooh. So this is uh, uh, the next graphical demo project for Sped Up Basic that James Diffendaffer was doing. Now, he was going to try to be on the show today, but get called away and work. So basically, this is a ray tracing program written in Basic, and it's based on a ray tracing program originally done for the C64. Now, the C64 version, I think, took, oh, what the heck was it, like 30 hours to run or something like that? Yeah. Some insane amount was of time. Was that loading from disk? <laughs> yeah, it was a lo that was the loading part, yeah. <laughs> So it, it took 30 hours to render. It's it's a two-color mode, uh, just because the calculations are a lot easier for doing reflections, etc. With his patch, super extended basic, it took 13 hours, so less than half. Uh, um, this is just a two-color bitmap. Yeah. So this is another one. He's going to release his source code and uh, stuff for it here later. I'm going to see if I can convert this to basic because I'm kind of curious how long it'll take to run on that. There's a oh, lot more floating point map yeah. in here than than integer map, so I probably won't speed it up that much, but we'll see. Assume that's in basic. Yes. And and to give me the screenshot, you can see overclocked. It's two hundred two megahertz, so it wouldn't take the full thirteen right. hours to, to get it ready. Pooyan. Mr. Ken Waters, I think I'll let you talk about this one. So this is uh, it's not just cocoa related stuff, but there definitely was some cocoa things that you received, and I think most of it or all of it was from Mr. Dave. Yep, it was. It was another package from Mr. Dave, and. Uh, if you saw the video that I did from his previous stuff he sent me, the Puyon cartridge did not work on my Coco 3 because it was booting up in the wrong uh, section of the uh, chip. And uh, so he sent me a replacement with the fix for that. And yeah, so just had to switch. And you got a 3D printing case or did you have that already with the Puyon? Oh, he, he sent that to me. 
that's that's a Mr. Dave special. So yeah, he just added the um, the yellow uh, capacitor that you can see above the five 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 chip there. Right, 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 right. So that uh, just caused it to work properly on my Coco S or on my Coco three. So nice, nice, nice. And we have, a, we have a comment from Dave in the chat says, "Wow, what a sexy cart." Yeah. <laughs> so is this Coco three version the enhanced color? Puyen, yes. Or? Yes. All right. If you scrub for it a little bit, you'll see the proper color. I'm scared too because YouTube's going to fly ads in here. I think. I don't know if it will on my videos. Oh yeah, look at that. Do, 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 do. Now you received some other stuff. I mean, some of it was like ColecoVision. Hey, you got a haircut. Look at that. Look at you all clean groomed back there. And look slick back, Jack. Looking at you. Come on, come on. I filmed that one a little while ago, but okay. my hair hasn't grown that long. Right. Yeah, no Nick Marentes now. Yeah. I mean, Nick Nick Mariota now. Nick Nick Marotta. So what, what other Coco goodies did he send you, and what, what do they do? Uh, he also sent me the case for the... Um, that's the case for the uh, joystick converter for a digital joystick converter that I built in the previous episode. Hmm. And uh, he sent me a few boards of some different joysticks. So um, there's the a joystick adapters, you mean? Or? Uh, the, well, no, some, he sent me just some boards to build some different uh, Coco joysticks on. Oh, actual, so you, actual controllers. Yeah. So here, in, oh, you just passed it. So those boards there. Uh, that red one is kind of like an NES style. Oh joystick. wow, that looks really cool. Uh, you see the four the middle one there. That's another uh, uh, the joystick converter um, cartridge for an MSX computer. The bl the black one at the bottom is the Coco split joystick. Coco Joy, look at that. So that's a split joystick with uh, two controllers on it. That's a ColecoVision cartridge. Huh. You got a lot of goodies there. Yep. Mr. Dave's a machine. He is putting up some interesting Mr. stuff. Mr. Dave Coco Split Joystick. Oh, look at that. So, yeah, it's got uh, two uh, direction controllers on it. So, I think that could be. So, that would be one controller plugged into both ports? Uh, or I haven't actually. No, it's. This, is, uh, this splits I think the X and the Y, right? So yeah, can... it splits the oh, X and two the Y. But okay. I don't think it would be that hard to convert that to be able to have two directionals, so uh, something to work on. Like um, a Robotron. Thing. Robotron. Yeah. Mr. Dave, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been pretty busy because he's also working on some like high-res games. He's been learning a semi language programming on the Coco and actually gotten quite far. We've shown his little you know, ships flying over the, the flashing nebula and stuff that yeah. looks really good, too. So He's tackling the hardware and the software Mr. there. Mr. Dave is a nap. busy man. Man of many talents. Yep. I, on the other hand, have none. Yeah. <laughs> Making the show run nine hours would be one of them, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> I know that's a talent or a curse, though. That's that's what I usually hear from people. Tandy they get cursed for it. Here we go. Yeah, so um, they did a, a zero, day zero stream yesterday, okay. um, which he posted about, but then it got yanked due to copyright issues from Warner Brothers for music. So I'm assuming, because Brian Schubring did make Tandy Assembly this weekend, and of course, he usually has his MIDI stuff cranked. Well, he's and he there. He's, a lot of... he, he, he brands there now. I saw his post this morning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I think he's, he probably had his MIDI stuff cranked up with commercial songs. And that's probably what triggered that. So the whole video got yanked. So all I've got for now is just some of the, the photos from here. This, uh, so day zero was the, the Friday. Is that a yeah. color monitor? And they were live streaming when I came on the air today. So they were just live streaming. They had one presentation this morning on Xenix and the Tandy 6000, I think it was. And then uh, they were just doing live streaming from the show floor itself. So 
It's of course going on even as we speak. Curtis, answer yeah. our question. What was the question? He's saying, is that a color monitor? It's hard to say. I think it's just glare on there. No, that's, that's just glare. That's a hit, hit standard the reply. Pardon? There's a reply to the same question. The, yeah, no, that's just under under James Ross's question. It says there's a reply. Click on that. It looks color to me. Too much work to actually convert that monitor to color. So it must be some sort of trick of the light. Okay. Yeah, it's trick of the light. It's a that's, glare. You can see it's an actual yeah, City the, yeah. monitor, which was yeah. only sold black and white. So. Okay, cool. Tandy Assembly's taking place this weekend. There's John Linville. I don't know yeah, what he's talking doing about. Doing a seminar on the 6809, it looks like. Okay. There he is. Showing the entryway to the place. Nobody's wearing a mask. Oh, there's somebody wearing a mask over there. There's a few. Okay. And day zero was Friday. So this is before the big weekend. This was like the... Yeah. Uh, all right, so... Uh, cool. Cool. And then you guys will be uh, hopefully live streaming some stuff uh, at Cocoa Fest here in the beginning of November too. So, especially for us Canucks, I can't make it down because is know that still is that still you think that's still going to be that way in November? It, it's going to be shut down till at least October twenty first. Then they're going to review it. So okay, so we might get a hail mary. Who knows? Let's see. Okay, Tandy Assembly. Live right now. So after the show, if you want to catch up on that, you can catch up their live stream there, and you can usually rewind on YouTube if you, because they're going to be broadcasting the seminars as they go too, so you can actually go back and see them covering all kinds of Tandy computer. This next one here is another Spanish one from Paraguay called Retro Informatica Paraguay, and it's a 14-minute video in Spanish showing a Coco 3 with 120k, <clears throat> a Coco SDC, and he's got a pistol grip joystick in one of the Tandy. Interesting. Ones. Yeah. And he offers, uh, this one does offer closed captioning, so you can actually get translations of what he's saying, you know, roughly. It's not perfect, but he demonstrates oh, the SCC Explorer. He demonstrates a couple of games, including Coco 1 and 2 games, like Canyon Climber, Coco 3 games, like Arkanoid. Now he's only got composite. And then he actually demonstrates the Ledger program, which is kind of the spreadsheet program in Deskmate 3, which I know will interest Ron because uh, he's been bugging me to get Deskmate 3 working under EOU. So um, just kind of interesting to seeing somebody, you know, from right you know, not yeah. from north america right. talking and about something i don't think that coco had a big market in in our in our part of the world rip means rest in peace oh you mean up on the right there yeah yeah that's just the initials of the show i believe yeah retro oh. informatica paraguay that's what that stands for oh, okay yeah okay cool so it's actually got pretty interesting videos i hadn't really played around with the uh decimate ledger before and it actually looks like a pretty decent right you know, low end is right because yeah, for us, rest in peace, RIP means rest in peace. So, yeah, I can see how different regions would interpret that differently. Yep, yeah, because it almost looks like maybe, if, you, if yeah. you're being a thing that way, they're you know, RIP yeah. the joystick yeah. or something, yeah, right? so. yeah. maybe yeah. not, not maybe not the best uh acronym to pick, but <laughs> <laughs> Ron's computer video is it Ron? Is so, I didn't know Ron Devo had yet another channel and uh, his beard shrunk a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> no, this is a totally different. <laughs> So he, on the very last day of Septandy, because he'd been planning on doing a Septandy video, <clears throat> he finally got one out. And he showed a little bit of VCF Midwest, <clears throat> including Jason's table, briefly, you can see. Cool. And then he talks about, <clears throat> he was trying to find out about more about emulators. And he went digging through the weeds, and he had to go into the Internet Archive to pull up old websites that are long gone. And he actually brought up an old virtual Coco emulator for the Coco 1 and 2 that actually ran on the original PowerMax, like when the first power PC transition happened. And I remember having this one at work because we fiddled with it a little bit. Uh, it was written by Phil Strofolino, 
there was some help from some of the people that are involved in the Coco side of the MAME team back in the day, like this is back in the 90s. So you actually got it up and running and shows you where to go find the original ROMs and how to get a download from the archive because there's actually an archive copy of the website itself is long, long gone. So if you want to do two, like double retro, you can get an old Power Mac, like a 6100 base system or something like that. Then you can get this old emulator and run the Coco 1 and 2 on it. And he also goes in like back then it was running our Mac OS 8. <clears throat> and you had to have the creator labels to match. Otherwise it wouldn't launch the program. So the disk images, you have to go in with a, the editor of the header part of the, the metadata for the actual um, you know, bin file, like you're running Zaxxon or something. You have to actually set it to recognize by the emulator. As well, it doesn't even show up in the dialogue to load it. So it gives you some of the tech details and some of the stuff we don't have to worry about anymore, but was a pain in the ass back then. So it's actually a pretty good one. And here's, I'll just show this here, because that's actually the corner of uh, Jason's table. Mm, yes, sir. You see up there, so anyway, it's a pretty interesting video. It's uh, definitely uh, if you're a retro enthusiast, it's got double retro all the yeah, way. That's right. right, running a vintage machine that's emulating an even more vintage machine. On it. <laughs> exactly, right. it's like Sheldon <laughs> McDonald's basic interpreter written in basic. Right. So, yes, okay, or like running the CPM emulator on the Nitrous 9 on an emulator. Okay, Kickman demo for the TRC to color computer. Kickman, really? Why do we have to kick a man? What do you do? Now, Stevie, have you ever played Kickman on the Atari 2600? No, that's the I've never. Based on the name, does not ring a bell. Maybe if I see Kickman a picture is of great. it, show me a picture of it. So this is not the game. Just to be upfront about it, this here is a new channel. It's called Color Computer Programming, which I've never heard of before. So it's a short one-minute video, and basically it's a graphical demo of the old Atari 2600 game using P3 graphics programmed in BASIC on the Coco. And. Uh, He's obviously discovered the get put trick of using e even byte buffers, so it runs way way faster than the comma G version that Tandy taught you in the man or yeah Tandy taught you in the manuals. So it actually plays pretty decent now. It doesn't do too much at this point here, except for a little bit of graphics and sound. But oh crap! No, I am not familiar with that. So you're like balancing stuff on your head, John. I'll let you explain. So I have no idea. Th this is a game where. It's sort of like a, an Arkanoid type thing. I, the, what what we're seeing right now is um, your, the, the main character. Uh, yeah, I, that that's weird. Um, but well, he's experimenting. Well, so yeah, just, yeah, yeah. But this is this is basically uh, you're, it's showing off the the main character moving around, and I'm not exactly sure what the significance of the the balloons. This is a game where you pop balloons with your head, though. Oh, okay. Um, it's interesting. I'll give you that. Yeah, it's a very cool-looking character. He's got kind of looks like an Intellivision Running Man, a little bit of a pitfall. Yeah, I, I believe in there. the original version, this is a clown on a unicycle. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, like, like you mentioned in the comments, it's basically just a little demo of some graphics. He's fiddling to figure out what you can do in Basic on the Coco One and Two. Okay. Yeah. So, whether he's making playing makes a full game, or if this was just a game he happened to like, and that's what he picked as a base for his little and, learning uh, venture here. Buck Owens just chimed and says, "You catch balloons dropping down from the top." Okay. Not familiar. And actually, with the game. Uh, Ken Ken Riker mentions it's Flippy, and that's that's a game that actually is similar, except in that one you're a seal catching balloons in your nose, and that was from a T and D. And I, was that program? I don't think it's programmed by Terry Steen, but uh, yeah, that's that's a game that actually does remind me because you do catch balloons on your nose. And you have to not let them hit the ground. Is that similar to the game on the Atari, John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very similar. Okay. I, I, I don't know if I've, I've ever played the 2600 version, but the arcade version, that's what you did. Oh, it's an arcade game too. Okay, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, probably similar to Activision's Kaboom as well. 
This is basically something dropping uh, down. No, it's it's a little bit different than that because you stack them. Yeah, you're you're stacking things, but it is it is similar in that so you're similar you're, that you're, you're catching, catching things, things as they drop down from the top. But it gets okay. harder because you know as your balloons get stacked higher, you have to catch it on the top of the balloon. And in fact, you can bounce the balloon off the side wall and flippy anyway. I don't know about the arcade game, but you can bounce it off the wall. Like if it's fall too low, you can ram into it and bump it up so it bounces back up and then try to catch it again. But you get a shorter and shorter time to be able to catch it because if it goes past down the side and your balloons are already stacked high, you can't put it on top. So it's an interesting game. Actually, that's one we'll have to think about, uh, Ken, about putting into the rotation at some point. I'll let you pick when. Because I, I totally forgot about that game until this came up. So okay, it's actually kind cool. of a fun one. Oh, uh, Buck Owen says you can kick the balloon back up, too. So if it goes down low, you can kick it up in yep, the air. And that's what you can do in Flippy, too. Okay. Your seal goes and whacks it up, and then you have to try to catch it again. Uh, of course, this was the end of Septandy this week, because uh, September ended. But uh, Alan Huffman had a whole bunch of other ones in the queue, and those have all been released now. So he's got, I don't know, 30 videos or something. He's got one for just about every day of the week, or day of the month, I should say. And it covers a wide variety of topics, a bunch of basic techniques, there's graphics techniques, assembly language, music, all kinds of stuff. It's just a, a plethora of, of things to check out. So I haven't actually had a chance to listen to them all. It's a few in specific just to kind of get a gist of them. But uh, a, a lot of interesting man. stuff in there. A lot of his basic optimization techniques are in here that he's, he's blogged about over the past few years and, and a ton of other things too. So. If you want, if you're into basic programming, this this the month has been awesome. You're gonna Go close to his the channel tab, Curtis. Be careful. What's that? It looks like you're getting ready to close that six eight oh nine tab instead. So. Oh no, I wasn't. Oh, you weren't closing. You were just highlighting. Okay. Uh, cool. Good, good job, Alan. Thank you. Right. So <laughs> this is Keith, otherwise known as Chibi Akumas, and he's been doing cross-platform assembly language tutorials from everything from Sega Genesis down to. Dragon and Coco to C64 to Nintendo's to ARM chips to Intel chips and everything else. And he's gotten back to the uh, Dragon and the Coco 1 and 2 here in this case. And now he's done a Hello World program he's done for all these different CPUs and different platforms. So he shows you how to use the video, how to how to program the CPU and, and that particular type, etc. So he's revisiting the Hello World now for the second time for the Dragon and the Coco, except this time instead of just doing the hardware tech screen, the VDG screen, he's actually doing the graphics. And he actually has a utility on his site that's a free download or free, free, free usage, as is all source code for all this kind of stuff here. So he's actually showing you how to do fonts and how to do you know, the graphics screen, and he's got some samples there, um, which is really cool because his his tutorials have actually been quite good, and I've actually chatted with him a few times in the chat, going you know, talking about some of the other stuff in the Coco. Now he actually did a couple of announcements during this one too, near the end of the video that I thought I'd mention here too. So he's got a book published, and he shows it at the end of the video, but it's basically a, a cross-platform assembly language book. And it covers the 6502, the Z80, the uh, 68000, and a few other chips. doesn't include the 6809 at that point. Um, and also how the different graphics chips on the, you know, like the C64 versus the Atari versus whatever else. Um, but he said that book is sold well enough now. He's going to be doing a second one where he's going to be adding in some of the other systems and the other CPUs. And the 6809 and the Cocoa Dragon is going to be one of those. So Neat. look forward to an actual cross-assembly book. And it also teaches you how to translate between the CPUs. So if you want to convert games or transcode, if you're interested in doing the Glenn Hewlett type of thing, it might be a good start for you when he gets that book out. So that was announcement number one. Announcement number two, because he actually actually writes games on a lot of these systems too. And he's you know taking games where he's made a base game on one of the platforms and he converts it to the other platforms, kind of teaches you the techniques on all of these video blogs he does. But then he actually releases the games up with source code. 
And he's announced that he's actually got his first game for the Dragon and Coco will be coming out soon. And it's a machine language game based on Duck Hunt. Oh, neat. So that should be an interesting one to see as well. That's one we haven't so, seen on those platforms. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm assuming he's going to be using joystick. I know he's going to be using the Dicom you know, gun adapter. Right. Thing, but uh, I, I can see that yeah. working well in a P-Mode 3 screen where you have like the blue sky and the green tree leaves and red uh, tree trunks or something, you know, and yep. yellow dogs and ducks. I think that would work with those four colors. So yeah. something like and, that, you have to use a CRT, right? Well, well if you're using a gun, using yeah. A joystick to, I just you know, use a joystick. I'm use a joystick to kind oh, okay. of point, um, you know, like move a little cursor around on the screen, a little pointer or something, a crosshair or something. Yeah. So he doesn't have any preview of that. He just kind of shows the text stuff here because uh, he's just showing you how to do a graphical font on the Dragon to the Coco. But I'm looking forward to seeing that. And he actually will have the source code and everything else. It's a free download from his GitHub. So once that gets released, I'll definitely bring it up back up in the show oh, while yeah. the new game to try. Maybe we can make that the game of the week one week when it's released. Yeah. Yeah, Ken, we don't actually have to well, actually, I should say you. I'm not actually, you know, officially part of that. But you're, it's almost like everything's getting scheduled for you at this point. There's so many new releases <laughs> happening now. Yeah, well, what we do is we'll, we'll, when it's, it's released, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make that the game of the week. We'll see if we can't get him to come on as the guest the following week to talk about it. And uh, boom, we got a double Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. I'd like to have yeah. him on, actually. Interesting discussion. Yeah. Especially considering he's, he's transcoded between so many CPUs. Yeah. From 32-bit on down, like ARM chips, modern ARM chips all the way down, like he's done stuff for the Xbox and all kinds of stuff. So he's he's well-versed on the wide variety of platforms from the ancient 8-bit era all the way up to modern times and, and knows all the differences and tips and tricks. Neat. Next up here. So Juan Castro posted this link here, too. And this is um, redrawn schematics of the MC-10. Um, and it was published by a listener of Retrocomputeria, a podcast in Brazil on retrocomputing. So that's the second South American one we covered the show alone. I didn't realize there were so many podcasts retro retrocomputers in South America, to be honest. Now, I won't show it here on the GitHub. You can go there to get it and download it if you want. And it's a cleaned up schematic of the MC-10. But for some reason, when I try to load in GitHub, it just crawls. Like you watch it draw for like 10 minutes type thing. So I just preloaded it here. And this is not oh, wow. zoomed in fully. Boom. But if you have to do repairs or you want to figure out where to, you know, jack in a circuit you want to do in an MC-10, well, there you go. 2021 redrawn MC-10 Schematica. Wow, look at that. Dude, that looks good. Yep. And that is the end of the news. Oh, what a shame, man. Man, it's never long <laughs> enough, Curtis. I love it. Oh, <laughs> don't challenge me on that, boat. I'll take you up on that. <laughs> uh, Real quick. Yeah. Terry put a reminder up that uh, get yourself to Tandy list and uh, make yourself known in the Glenside elections. Okay. Yes. Voting. Oh, when's the deadline for that? Actually, that's that's something I should have put in the news. I totally forgot. Uh, isn't that by the next meeting uh, in October? Thursday. Yeah. So this month we got a couple of weeks. Okay, I'm gonna let me write that down right now because otherwise I'll forget. Because yeah, I gotta vote. Oh, somebody just pointed out that the news has not even started yet because the banner still says "Game On." So here we go. Now it says news. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> Do you so, want me to redo that again? Yeah, yes. Yeah, take it from the top this time. One more, one more time from the yeah. top. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but something that did come up on Facebook. Number one, you did not mention the Ed Snyder's mentioning of the new Coco Three thing, but that's fine. We can talk about that next. Well, week. When did he announce that? Because I, I didn't include I, any. I, of this I saw it on busy. Facebook today on my phone as I was. Um, hey, Maiden, how are you? Maiden Ariana is here. 
Good to see you again. Um, I, I saw it on Facebook this morning. I don't know if it was posted this morning. I was just kind of flipping through on my phone. Um, but he basically mentioned that when, once the Gimme X is being sold, the next project is to work on the next generation Coco 3 motherboard, which will include a 6309 running at possibly up to 5 megahertz, a 68,000, 24-bit DAC, and this and that and the other. It's just like, uh, you know, Coco insane. Let me just say that this might be distorting the hobby just a little bit. Um, but uh, it seems like it's going to be a badass motherboard. I don't know if it's going to be compatible to fit in the case or if it's going to be a whole new thing. But yeah, um, so that's something that Ed mentioned. One of the things that also happened on Facebook, I think this week, and since um, Terry Steggy is here, and I'm not sure if Brian Weasler, he's still here, he's there. Um, you guys were mentioning that one or more of you had found the Steve Bjork um, audio spectrum analyzer cartridge that was using the graphics mode because we had so we had found somebody yeah, we talked about it on the show last week. oh did you talk about that last week yeah that's what i get for missing the show okay so yeah. so that was already talked about well listen we got plenty of time curtis talk about it again and stretch it out just you know <laughs> stretch it stretch so um, now for hour four yeah but yeah yeah there's there's been at least three found in the wild now brian has three audio spectrum analyzer cartridges one of them is the new version okay. uh two other people have mentioned that it's the does. new version so <laughs> and then somebody had question: Has that ROM been dumped, and is it on an archive anywhere? So I don't know if the, I don't know the answer to that question yet. Has anybody? I, I think I can safely it's say progress. it's being worked on. It's being worked yeah. on. It's in progress. Okay, so that would be interesting to see. Now I still like the nine color SG twenty four one because that's the original and that's the most colorful. But it's cool to have that variant out there, you know, especially in real hardware. I, I think because we have nobody's heard from Steve. Like we've all pestered him with questions on Discord. We pestered oh. him with questions on Facebook. We haven't heard anything from him, so I hope he's doing well. Yeah. Um, but since Mark Siegel is going to be our guest on October the thirtieth, and Mark Siegel was kind of in charge of getting software and stuff for the Coco during that time period of when that was released in eight or at least copyright in eighty three. I'm going to see if he remembers anything about it. Maybe we can get the behind stories. Yeah, that I just wonder why. That was done years before the deluxe. It, it was or the Coco three before the Coco three even. So why do it? Why make yeah, a exactly. why make a less colorful version when it wasn't for compatibility reasons? I don't know. Yeah, because the deluxe Coco did not require it ran for semi graphics just fine. Yeah, okay. so that it wouldn't be needed until at least the Coco three. But you could tell by the title screen that it's got kind of like you know the SRB software type title screen yeah. like you had on um, and his fonts and everything. Yeah, else, all so. that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's cool. I'm glad it does exist. But you really want to wonder? You have to question why. You could see why, like in the Coco three days, that didn't support. Some graphics, graphics that yeah. yeah maybe we need to make one for that but uh, but this was done three years before that yeah no so really interesting that's a big mystery right so this higher resolution version is is using graphics mode or some uh, it's, higher graphics it's, mode p mode four artifact it's, it's kind of like a p mode three resolution running in p mode four artifacts it's got the red white and blue screen yeah so except uh, for the kaleidoscope the kaleidoscope still deals semi graphics oh, okay Gotcha. Well, there it is. So Brian Weezer's got it pulled up right now. Here, I'll, are you sharing it already? I'll uh, spotlight his video for everyone. Okay, so here Brian Weezer has it up. Audio Spectrum Analyzer. Huh. And here's the cartridge, right? So it's just got an, an interesting little color pattern there uh, by Steve Bjork. It still says Datasoft. Okay, so that was still a Datasoft screen. Um, 83. And it says 83. Yeah. Where the other one was, what, 81, I think, right? And, we, and for those who weren't on last week or haven't watched last week's show, we will mention that the cartridge and the manual have nothing about 1983. Everything still says oh, it's, So it still has the old label. So it's just a completely random shot in the dark yeah. that you might have that. Uh, exactly. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Okay. I, uh, I got a funny story about these things. I've, I've got four spectrum analyzers. Two of them 
were the first two I did. They actually are this colored version. The other two I have were the, the non-colored. By the way, it, the colored is a derogatory term at this point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, they matter. So what I did was I was cleaning the contacts. I thought my ones that were not were, uh, were actually bad. So I'm trying to clean the contacts and all that. So I do have a spare if somebody wants to take it apart and dump uh, it rip it yeah i i don't know how to do you know, that what it sounds like it sounds like somebody's already working on that but um uh no that's cool that is cool it's interesting that that, that something like that exists you have to wonder why what was the motivation to rewrite it in a graphics yeah. mode if it had it been was... released in 85 86 when they knew the coco 3 was happening then that makes sense right but 83 right. is way too early i mean yeah. that was just when the coco 2 was just getting announced so and that had no differences hardware wise at all be interesting to look at the PCB board in the cartridge and see if it has a date. Maybe the date is later. Hmm. I don't, I don't, know. Know. I don't know if they dated the PCB. Well, the ROM would obviously be made later because it was burned with something written in 83, not 81. Yeah. And Steve Bjork has never talked about this or brought mm, this version up. No, I no. don't remember hearing him mention it before. So, I mean, yeah. he's done so many things, I wouldn't be surprised if he forgot one of them. Spoken, you know? yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Cool. All right. So we've done news. Um, was there? Does I know it's a little bit later now, but does anybody? Did anybody think of any updates or acquisitions that? Um, Especially for those that have joined the panel joined since the panel a little bit later. Since then, anyone? Anyone? No, Brian. I'm I'm in the process of acquiring a an iPhone 13. Oh, <laughs> Pro, wow. 13 Pro. Okay. Um, it's take um, a to get here though. If you guys want to take a few minutes, I just received my box with the sprite board. I could do a little quick unboxing. Yeah, sure. Uh-oh, unboxing. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'll also say that uh, I have um, purchased my round-trip ticket to go to Coco Fest in November this year, so I am planning on attending. I, unfortunately, I can't afford the time to drive because I wanted to be able to bring things with me and I wanted to be able to buy things to bring home. I can't do that, but I am booked for Coco Fest, so I'm definitely going to be there this year. Looking forward to that. Go ahead, Brian. The suspense was... is killing us. <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> Fresh from the UK? Fresh from the UK. I haven't even cut the And you ordered the kit version too, didn't you, Brian? Because that's all you had left? That's all you had available, yeah, was the kit version there. So I'm actually cutting the tape right now here real quick. Let me get into the box. I guess that's better than cutting the cheese, right? So Cutting the cheese, right? I see you got Defender running in the background too, yeah. which is awesome. Yep. So, yeah, he only had the... Um, he only had the kit versions available, but I think he's now doing a second run uh, for assembled ones because he had put a comment out on his Facebook page for anybody that was interested in the uh, in the uh, in the kit versions. Yeah, but he said last week is he had 18 pre-assembled that he'd sold out, and then he had two kits left, and you grabbed one of those. Yep. So, uh, oh, he, he has the uh, these are available on the download, but this is the uh, assembly instructions. Oh, nice. So let's see what we got in here. A whole lot of bubble wrap. Is Sloopy still on the call? Because I think Sloopy mentioned he wanted to announce something. Yeah, I'm oh here. Goodness. Okay. So, yeah. I just, so nice I little, just sent a message. Uh, nice little package of uh, yeah. components here. Parts. And you got a nice little silicon mat to put on here to put this together now, too, huh? There we go. So here's the... Uh, Here's the board itself. The super yeah, it is there. a longer card. Yeah, it's almost like a like a the original hard drive controller length of the Coco. Yes, hard it is. Yeah, or the Eliminator yep. or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long yep. long board. Whole slug of uh, resistors that are going to be soldered oh. on. 
Looks Boy, like, I'm uh, never going to order that in kit form. It never right. get made. <laughs> Here's our little connector package there. You can kind of, there you can see the uh, SCART there's, there's your right there. your little riser pieces and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yep. oh, yeah it's got everything. And there's the, the SCART cable this there. This is like buying a freaking Lego thing at this point. Now. There's like 9,000 <laughs> pieces in a modern Lego <laughs> kit. <right>? Yeah, so. <laughs> so here's a... There's the socket and the, uh, I think this is the chip, the, uh, the 9958 chip. I think that's the one that, uh, Ooh, is the, is yeah. the cost one that's causing them. Yamaha. Y'all yeah. didn't say there was going to be porn on here. Ah. <laughs> um, wow, be nice. The, uh, Sloopy, that's factors. a problem. And then he has broken apart all the different, uh, the other chips there. The, uh, uh, what do we got here? The. So yeah, here's the Yamaha chip that's in here. Okay, and you got your socket to the go sound with it too. Yep, and then the, the various sockets and other uh, TTL chips that okay. come with it. So, so there we go. So yeah, nice. I got a whole slug of soldering to do this weekend, I guess. All right. I'm here in the near future. <laughs> I'll mention too, John, we were announced that Paris Surratt has actually uploaded some of the demo programs and some of the AGD game ports that he's done mm -hmm. uh, are now publicly downloadable for people who have got the yeah the board. And so uh, for that, any of you that do get them and, and assemble them and get them running there, you actually have some software to run out of the gate now, too. That's also been added to the Cocoa Pie in an update now, too. You can run a, a track mode on the Dragon where it'll run through some of those uh, MSX2 AGD games with the graphics and sound. Yeah, but that's not really on, on Cocoa, so that's just starting a hobby, Steve. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. All right. Um, yeah, really good quality, as Tim Gilbert points out. Yeah, good good bill of materials there. You got your, uh, you got your documentation. You got all your goodies. It's all... Um, you know, in your tubes and in your bags and all that kind of good stuff. And yeah. I think if I remember correctly, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think John went, mentioned too that he, because the chip shortage hitting everybody and particularly some of the MSX chips he's using are harder to get now. The prices have gone up a fair bit. So he's actually had to bump the price up of the board for the second run. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, the, the price that I paid for this is the original price that he had for the kits. So well, the I first batch he sold, he, he had the old chip prices, but now I guess some of the prices have gone up like double or triple. Oh boy, I don't know. I haven't been out to the site to look at that to check. I'd have to go look. And well, for those of you who want to get the second round, just be expecting there might be a bit of a price increase. Cool, very cool. This just in, yeah. Um, I am expecting something that I don't think has arrived today, but I did order the the books from Glenn Dahlgren. That was going back a few weeks ago. He just emailed me recently that he just got his hardbacks and he was waiting on them from whoever he gets them from. So my hardbacks of the Child of Chaos and the um, Game of War will hopefully be coming in soon. I did finish listening to the audiobook just this week of Child of Chaos. Man, it's really good. Really good story. Uh, pretty darn good narration for first-time author, first-time um, you know audiobook narrator. So good job, Glenn Dahlgren, on that. I'm looking forward to the second one. I've already got the second one in my um, Audible queue, and as I start driving around, I'll be listening to that too. Um, and when I get those books, I'll show them off on an uh, update, future update. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, he was actually number one in uh, uh, Teenage Fantasy for a while there on yeah. Amazon. Yeah, and it's a good story, yeah. kind of like what he was saying, like with, the, with the, that that market he calls the YA, the young adult. It's aimed at a certain age group, but I mean, listening to the story, it's I'm an adult, and I didn't feel like I was listening to a kid's book. Well, I think the jury's still out on that. Uh, yeah so um yeah no um no but it was good it didn't feel like you were listening to you know it definitely wasn't the curious george type stuff it was very adult adultish listening to that you know so cool stuff cool stuff it's nice yeah. to hear stuff from someone from our, our community you know 
Um, all right. Anyone else? Anyone have an update? An acquisition? Sloopy does. Oh, that's right. Sloopy, where are you, Sloopy? Sloopy, hang on. All right, let's, I'm right here. Let's spotlight Sloopy. All right, we're looking at something here. There he is. Hey, Sloopy. Hi. Um, the drive wire and the uh, the drive wirelessly and the internal drive wire uh, boards have started shipping. Um, first ones uh, were received yesterday. Um, and also an announcement. Um, we're going to go ahead with what we discussed, Steve, earlier. Okay. All right. Um, Tuesday or Wednesday, not sure yet which, which we're going to figure out uh, before then. But uh, we're going to start doing a uh, Game On uh, Live challenge where we play the uh, Game On of the Week live. Um, everyone can join on uh, Discord. Um, it's going to be somewhere between seven and eight and nine or 10, um, Eastern time, Florida time to make it easy for Steve. That's right. Translated and, to Steve uh, time. we'll be, uh, broadcasting it live. So um, it'll be a live stream on discord itself, but do you also want to live stream it out on the YouTube multiverse of YouTube and right. Twitch and all that stuff too? Okay. Right. Everyone will join into discord and play there. And then it'll and also then... be live streamed. Yeah, then it'll also be live streamed um, to uh, to YouTube and Twitch. Okay, so a group game on, a weekly group game on thing, which yeah, we, we've tossed around this idea many times in the past, but this, it needs somebody needs to, to take it, do it, and you're going to be that one. You're going to do it. Yes, that's yes. great. That's great. What I was always hoping would happen, and and now it starts like things are starting to happen. Number one, I'm, I'm always grateful that we have people who just come on this show and create segments for the show. So we have like the game on and the news and the new who's new to Discord. So I love when people take a piece of the show, make it their own, and provide that value-added content to, to the show itself. But uh, we, I was always trying to get us to the point where we could have these kind of spinoff shows where I'm trying to get other people to be able to stream because my schedule is not going to permit me from being the guy driving the train all the time. But if there's enough people who are able to stream, we can have a show, you know, theoretically every day of the week as long as somebody can stream it. And, and I don't want to put any restrictions on that. I don't want to be able to have these spinoff shows. I almost feel like just looking at some of these six hour shows, when we start to get to these interviews, we might want to make the interviews a separate show or maybe make the news or something. I don't know. But the fact that we're taking a whole spinoff show now or the game on live segment is great. And I would love to have things like getting into the software development talk or hardware talk and things like that. But you just need somebody to stream the show. And it can't always be me, but we have you and we have a few other people. So I would love to have more shows from the Coco Talk universe um, available on the air. We just need people to, to do it. And so this is the first of hopefully many to follow. And hopefully that will give some people some ideas and some maybe show ideas. God forbid, maybe even Curtis can talk about Nitrous 9 because, you know, we don't hear that enough. Uh, oh, we want to start that right now. Basic 09 or sure. something, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. I will mention too, like as far as the interview goes, and I have announced this recently, is that we're going to be switching out to more of a bi-weekly schedule, not strictly, but in general. Just because it was getting a bit too much even for me to handle. I mean, one, they make the shows quite long. They're, they're great and interesting. But also the, uh, for certain people, especially, I have to do a lot of research to you know, figure out intelligent questions to answer, go over the stuff they've done over the last 40, 50 years. And it was eating up a lot of my time. I haven't actually had time to code on the Coco because I've also been busy with work now the last couple of weeks, too. And between the two of them, I've had no time to code anything on the Coco at all. Nitrous 9 or the game or anything else. Like I've had no time. 
So I, I definitely want to make it back a little bit myself. That's that's a tragedy. We got to get you get back back to yeah. coding. So Sloopy, I'll make myself available to you if you need me to help you get set up with the OBS and the restream and all that kind of stuff. There's other people mm-hmm. who can help you too, like Grant and um, and uh, Mark Bosley and stuff too. So um, yeah, I'm sure I'll have so. a question or two or ten million. Uh, and Rocky Hill, Pedro Pena just says, I just received my Sloopy wireless adapter. Very cool. I can't wait to set it up. Cool stuff. And we yes. were going to give one away on the air, too. Do we want to maybe start soliciting people to uh, submit their name to the hat so we can draw one from a hat? Sure. And we just want to have them maybe just send that as an email. And so I'll put um, that in the live chat. Yeah. So if you just send an email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live, uh, subject... Uh, uh, drive wireless. Uh, so there you go. So if you send an email to Coco Talk at Coco Talk Live with the subject of drive wireless, you will be in the hat. Your name will be put in the hat. We will do a random drawing uh, live on the air. We will pick one lucky winner to receive a absolutely free copy of Drive Wireless. Uh, tell people what they what the requirements are to run it on a real hardware. So don't just ask for something you won't be able to use. Tell people what it is, what it does, and what their what kind of cocoa they need to be able to implement this. Um, it'll be usable on a cocoa one or three. And what it does is it allows you to access DriveWire server uh, wirelessly with no need for anything else. You won't need a, ca- uh, a cartridge. Uh, you will need power. You will need a m- display, but you won't need a cartridge or any wires to connect to your computer beyond the uh, power supply. And basically it will um, connect to your wireless network in your home and allow you to use the drive wire server on one of your PCs to uh, load and play games or even uh, allow you to uh, use uh, Nitrous 09, ease of use edition. Okay. And so, but as far as the hardware side of this, is there soldering involved? Is this something where you just like put a chip under a chip type of thing for the people who are not solder capable? What do they need to know? And What's what's the tech? You can just say my name, Stevie. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm throwing myself in that category too. So. <laughs> yeah, the Herod is not a very good conductor of electricity. Um, honestly, I've burned my hair a couple times in the last week or so. But um, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, I thought I trimmed it up pretty nicely. <laughs> so so I like the, you mentioned one of them goes in the in the PIA yes. socket, right? One of them goes. Oh, the, the drive wirelessly board itself goes into the P, into the PIA socket, and uh, then the PIA goes into into the board. Um, for a Coco One, this is already socketed, so it's there's plug no changes. Yeah, it's pretty much plug and play. There's no real changes. Um, the internal drive wire board, which is the uh, ROM, the software for the Coco side of things to use drive wire, um, the the socket is on a Coco one, it's already socketed, but there's two lines that need to be soldered on. Um, so some so minimal soldering, soldering. minimal so soldering minimal, required. Minimal, oh, I forgot. I have my Coco three on my desk, not my Coco one, <laughs> okay. but it's, yeah, it's just two simple points. Um, as long as you have almost, I mean, it's, you could probably almost use like little clips to do it, but, 
I don't care okay, much for. But I just want I just want to I want to make sure but that somebody the, who's going to ask for this yeah. they need to realize this is not a hundred percent plug and play. Right. There's a and little bit the, of yeah. yeah. On the Coco Three, it requires um, a fair bit more soldering because they are not um, they are not socketed. So uh, you'd, you'd have, have to have, have your solder. Things. Yeah, you'd have, you have to, to desolder like a forty pin chip or something then, right? Right. Yes, the the PIA and the OS ROM would both have to be um, desoldered out and replaced with sockets, and then uh, t uh, two more uh, lines would have to be well, one more line would have to be put in so for the uh, for the Coco. The three. most hassle free installation would be on a Coco one. That is correct. Right. It would only require two spots of soldering. Right. This is an internal modification, minimal soldering. Nothing is going to change the outside of your case, but you'll mm -hmm. end up having a custom ROM that will boot you into HDB DOS that has drive wire protocol built into it, and you've got the wireless technology. Where now you're basically booting up to a Coco that's ready to drive wire, and it would also talk to Pi drive wire on a, on a Coco Pi, right? So if you've got a Coco Pi running, you can talk to that. Wirelessly yep. as well. Cocoa Pie could be Wi-Fi. Your Cocoa can be Wi-Fi. I, I have a quick question. Uh, you, you guys have specifically said Cocoa 1 and Cocoa 3. The Cocoa 2 is not being mentioned. Is it incompatible or what? Um, it's issue? fully compatible. It will work. It's um, more of an issue of logistics. Uh, only the Cocoa 2 with the stand-up uh, RF modulator is compatible. And that is generally the USA made one. The Korean made one with a lay down RF modulator. Um, it'll it'll physically work. It's just your keyboard won't fit inside the machine. So it's it's more the spacing of where it has it's to go. Spacing, it's, it's not like yeah. electrically incompatible. No. Or anything. Okay. Literally, if you don't have your keyboard in your Coco 2, it'll work just fine. Um, the, I am waiting for boards from China that will be compatible with all Coco 2s. And then we'll be able to do that. But I mean, if you have, if you, a lot of people don't know if their Coco 2 is a stand up or lay down RF modulator. And like this is what the lay down one looks like where the, uh, where the RF, yeah, the RF out and the switch are next to each oh, other. Kind of parallel it's, on their height, right? Yeah. The stand up ones, they're above each other. Ah, okay. So if the switch okay. is to the side, it's horizontal. If the switch is vertical, uh, vertical, then it's... then it's vertical. And you're saying it works with the vertical and not the horizontal? That is correct because this chip, this chip down inside here, is the PIA, okay. and that's and you're gonna be putting a satellite system. board, bringing it up, which will hit the keyboard. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's the positioning of the PIA on the laydown board. <laughs> On the lay down RF modulator. So if you got one of those like PCXT keyboard adapters that actually you know just has a cable running out to external keyboard like a, a PCXT keyboard or PCAT keyboard, it should work with that then on a Coco two even now if you had one of those. Yeah, okay. I mean I think, that's like, a lay down. Nine, sells it, so. Yeah, that's a lay down uh, RF modulator, and that's what I used for uh, for uh, design. So I know it works in there. It's just that you can't put the <laughs> machines back together. Yeah. Right. So it's loopy. Um, one other thing I know you and I had talked offline about if you have a Gimme X or the eight meg card, there just was no room. Oh, yeah. The um, the internal drive wire board will not fit with a Gimme X um, because the Gimme X comes over top of the ROM of the uh, Coco three. 
Yeah, it's a it's a big board. It's like Independence yeah. Day for your Cocoa Three. Mm. Yeah, I'm working <laughs> on a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm working on a uh, on a different design board that will be compatible with the Gimme X. Also, it'll oh, just cool. have like a uh, ribbon cable that'll go up to the socket, and then it'll come down, and the board will just sit down underneath of the uh, the Cocoa Three main board. Oh, neat. oh, Terry's trying to show something off. It looks like too. Uh, uh, let's get this going here. That's where the room's kind of taken up. Is that correct? Let me spot um, over on the right. Over, yeah, over there. That board there. The goes main over top. board. Yeah, where that, uh, where the, um, where the ten-pin uh, connector, IDC connector is. Keep going uh, the other side. Yeah, keep going. There we go. My arm ain't yeah. long enough. All the way over there. Yeah. Where that, that where is the over top cable of, is, right? So, yeah. yeah. That is over top of the ROM. And that's where this board goes. Because on I had to do a second revision of the board. And that capacitor that's right there next to where the cartridge port is. Originally, I had to lay that down. But I redesigned the board so that that capacitor, it clears that capacitor. But because that board goes over top of the ROM, this won't fit because it fits on top right. of the ROM. You're piggybacking it basically on the ROM. With the yes. ROM. Okay. Well, it's so. good to say it sounds like you have a design for the Cocoa 2 coming out that will work with the other RF okay. can layout. So that's, that's a good but question. One, speaking, the, go speaking ahead. Of Gary. It, was that Alan? Did you have a question? Yeah. So internal drive wire is one board, and that's the ROM replacement that lets you have drive wire access built in rather than taking up your cartridge port and that's yes. not compatible with the gimme x because of the clearance Correct. is drive wirelessly compatible with the gimme x um i would have to see i do believe it is because i was shown a picture once and i think i said that it was okay um, terry if you can hold up the uh gimme x machine again is there uh, anything over top of the uh of the uh, pia Can we uh, make, uh, yeah, there we go. Um, eesh. It could go either way because the board, the eight meg board is right there. So it should clear it, but I'm not 100%. Unfortunately, I although I wanted a uh, Gimme X, I'm not in a financial situation to do it. If anyone wants to uh, send me one, I would be more than appreciative. <laughs> <laughs> And also a working, a fully working Cocoa 3 because mine has issues. But yeah, it's it looks like it should fit. It'll be a tight fit, but it looks like it should fit. Um, so it's... Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't uh, completely covered up, that there were two different things being discussed. Right. And one is definitely not going to work, but the other one we don't know. That is correct. But you have to use like a cartridge or something. For the sake of what we're giving away, though, let's just say this is best on a Cocoa One. It's a yeah. surefire install on yes. Cocoa One. Yeah, go ahead, Curtis. Yeah, Tom Eric Gunderson mentions in the chat, this is why we need special versions of Rocky Hills boards with all the stuff already incorporated on the main board. And I kind of agree with them because right. then there's no soldering, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a neat thing where you can add to a Cocoa where it'll boot up to a drive wire capable DOS uh, on ROM and have the wireless ability to talk to a drive wire server 
And so you have a self-contained cocoa that can load software with all it needs is electricity and a display. And then poof, everything's yep. going to load into it. So if, you, if you're a person who understands DriveWire and would appreciate using DriveWire in kind of a cool way, the Drive Wirelessly solution is a cool solution. And we're willing to give away a full kit to someone who will send us an email. Just realize we hopefully you're going to use it on real hardware. And, uh, and know that right now, the one that we're giving away best works on a full-size Cocoa One for the least amount of uh, logistical soldering, soldering and connectivity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, um, and also the best, the nice thing about on the Cocoa One is that you can also uh, just for um, playing around, you can also have it go just straight into uh, Color Basic 1.2. Color Basic 1.3 or Extended Basic. So if your Coco One doesn't have Extended Basic, it will add Extended Basic to it. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yes. Cool. cool. And it will also like when you're using uh, Extended uh, Color Basic uh, 1.1, you can either have uh, Color Basic 1.2 or 1.3 underneath of it. Because I'm I'm not too um knowledgeable of the, about the fine granular details of it but from what i understand there is some differences between 1.2 and 1.3 but i'm not sure exactly i'm what trying to remember are. i think that was the difference when the coco 2 was using the the optional two chip versus eight chip ram upgrades for that that satellite board with h 4164s and then the the two chip 4464s depending which was cheaper at the time because yes. it does have to initialize something a little bit differently on the SAM, I think it is, for that to work properly. So that might be what yeah. the difference was. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the difference is. It's the stuff that, that I've easily seen has has to do with different RAMs and right. what is supported. Well, but, uh, Alan Murphy is posting in the live chat that you should have a product fact site going with an ordering page. But yes, but yeah, if there's a single web page you can put out there somewhere, people can reference and pull up and see things. That just makes stuff a heck of a lot easier. Yep. And yeah. that requires stuff I don't have. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's plenty of us who can get you a page on a web host somewhere. Yeah. Or just send so. send the copy and we can put it in the free somewhere. Um, yeah. Cool. Very cool. So uh, I, I have one quick question for John before we go on. Uh, call Shala there. Um, would you mind if I post about the the live Discord stream for Coco Games on oh, your guys' Discord good. and invite some of your guys over? Absolutely, Curtis. Go to town, man. Do it. Yeah. Oh yeah, and John, don't send us all your ringers to to play the games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but keep Z9K9 out there because he yeah. keeps beating yeah. my scores. There's a way you can him. block no, him out of this thing. I think that's for the best. <laughs> right, and also just to remind. Uh, Canadian retro things when it comes to future games they don't always have to be score based too and so if there are games like adventure games or card games or other things like that where you're not scoring as long as we get people playing and participating and sharing screenshots that's really the spirit of the of the event too so I have some of that planned for the near future okay cool very very cool oh, I just wanted to say uh, Terry Steggy's computer is probably one of the most advanced color computers around how many do you think there are with the uh, eight megabyte? Eight meg uh, and the Gimme X and the, the X yeah, fair number now at this point. <laughs> yeah, I got everything except the Darth Vader paint job. Do um, do you feel that your cocoa is distorted in any way, Terry? 
Everything I own is destroyed. <laughs> you don't just ask know, my girlfriend. You don't know the power of the dark side. Exactly. <laughs> the ability to display 256 colors is insignificant next to the power of the force. So. You know, everything was fine until I met Stevie, and that's when things got really distorted. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're going to blame this on me now, are you? Correct. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Stevie's, Stevie's the emperor. Yeah. I was going to suggest Boat should get a Gimme X and 8 Meg here, but he's having so much fun playing his mister. I don't know if he turns on his real Coco um, all that often. Anymore. It doesn't get a whole lot of action anymore. The mister is so good. So good. Oh, Lord. Have mercy. Uh, all right. I mean, are we done? Are we out of show? I mean, I feel like uh, what's what's wrong? Oh, we got a nice long interview next week. We'll make up for it. Don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. Is this the shortest Coco talk of all time? No. I mean, two, no. two and a half hours. We no, if you go to the very first year, I think we had a few shorter than this. We, I think we no, had we had one this year that was about 10, 12 minutes. Yeah, we've had a few times where we've lost internet, so we've had some like 18 second shows a few times. <laughs> we have two that are around an hour each. Yeah. So, uh, oh, so we're reminiscing about our best shows. Yeah. No, but I do like the idea of um, getting more engagement, more involvement. Um, like we, we, I've said this before, we'll say it again. When it comes to t the game on segment, you know, we have people who are contributing in Discord, and that's great to get that level of engagement. But if we want to take it a step further and have some of the people who played come on that segment and talk to us about it during the segment, that would be great too to hear from some of the participants what it was like for them and especially the ones who got like their family. What was it like having my kids playing? And so it'd be nice to have that extra layer on this show. And I like the idea of, of doing like the Tuesday or Wednesday show where we have the game on live on a weekly thing too, where people are actually playing it then at least. So, um, you know, just more layers of the whole community thing, doing stuff, having fun. Sounds good to me. Um, cool. Anything else? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? It's for me. No? Wow. Uh, Curtis, well, you did a hell of a job today, for once, right? Um, yeah, and so <laughs> yeah and, and as I mentioned before last week, and just because I don't think Steve, you heard it last week, but we've actually got interviews now booked up right through until 2022. Yeah, you and I need to get together offline because I know you've sent me a few emails. I haven't had a chance to digest them, so I need you to maybe Steve explain some stuff to me and just break it down into simple concepts I can grasp and tell me what's going on here. Um, would be good. Tom Eric Gunderson says the tape loading sounds are the soundtrack of my childhood. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, cool. Um, all right. Well, thanks everybody. You made my job easy today and we lost Grant. We lost Grant. Is Mark B still out there? We lost Mark B. Oh, there he is. Uh, there's too many of the, the windows keep moving. All right. Thanks Mark B for being here and always being a backup and streaming. And all that See, Ken stuff. has a special guest now, too. Yeah, Ken, Ken doing a hell of a job on the Game On segment. We appreciate that, Karen, keeping uh, Nick Marota's spirit with us while Nick's doing his stuff. And we, hope, we look, I definitely look forward to having Nick Marota back whenever his work schedule permits that. I completely relate to being completely uh, consumed with outside responsibilities uh, affecting the hobby. So uh, good stuff, Sloopy. Uh, thanks for that, um, for taking on that new segment, that new show. Just want to remind you guys, if you have a Coco One and you like DriveWire and you want to try DriveWire less, send an email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk Live. You'll get put in the hat and we will try to, um, you know, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll give one away on the air, live and on the air. John Lowry, what else is going on with you? Anything good, brother? Uh, just working. Yeah. Uh, 
been kind of busy. I haven't been oh, able to I, I actually have another acquisition. It's not cocoa related, but it is somewhat vintage related. I, I now am the proud owner of a uh, MacBook Air. It's a 2013 11-inch little thing. It's running Big Sur right now. I got Big Sur on it. So Yeah, uh, guess what? the only thing you can afford? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guess what? Um, that's awesome. Day. That's a testament to the, the machine. Yeah. So, what is that, seven years? Uh, and it's running the current yeah, software. Almost 10 well, years old. It's a 2013. Where, yeah, it's going on yeah, eight years old or whatever. Going yeah. on eight years, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's But it's running the current software that's really solid. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's fast because it's you know, still like, solid state. That is the last one you'll get, though. <laughs> oh, that runs Big Sur? Yeah, it won't run Monterey. I think yeah. oh, the 20 oh. Oh, okay. for the for the MacBook because Monterey is like days away from probably I'm ah, guessing then that's fine it's, I'm speculating which I, I was I was just telling a friend of mine I go look I was thinking about buying a Chromebook because my laptops are so heavy and it's been you know everything I do I do in a browser anyways I do everything Google Docs you know Gmail everything I do is cloud-based so I was thinking about buying a Chromebook a little small cheap thin light thing and it's like, dude, I got this old iMac, and I'll sell it to you for two hundred bucks. I'm like, shit, dude, this is a hell of a lot better than a Chromebook, and this is a Mac, you know. <laughs> so and it yeah. works. And I haven't had a Mac. I've got a bunch. I've got some older Mac Minis, but they won't. They won't do any of the newer operating systems, you know. So the fact that I've now got a Mac that runs the current operating system is just kind of cool. Um, so we need a jingle for the Mac show. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, which, by the way, John, I'm also, I think I messaged you. I do want to look into getting an Apple Watch, too. So, you know, I need to talk offline about that. So, we're converting you over. You got an iPhone already. Hey, I have an iPhone. I got a Mac. I might be getting an Apple Watch. Some of my refrigerator. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, thank you all for being here. And um, thank you, John Schaller, for being here. You guys are a great group of guys, you amigos, and you're all your thank you, Steve. plethora of shows. Thanks for. Um, Showing off the joust stuff and sharing some cocoa love uh, outside and letting people on the outside looking in, seeing what's going on here. Terry Steggy, great to see you. Bless your heart, sir. Bless, Bless your, your heart. heart. Um, uh, Terry, are you? I know you've been busy and having life things to deal with, but are you still at all connected to trying to corral speakers for Cocoa Fest, or has that now been you completely delegated that away? Um, I gave all the stuff I had uh, to Tony Pedraza. Pedraza, mm -hmm. sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know he's been contacting everybody I had on my list. Yeah. I've had a couple get back to me, but uh, yeah. And so, um, I know you had asked me early on, and I told you then, and I told Tony recently too. You know, it's like I myself, as me, just Steve. I don't want to speak at Cocoa Fest because I don't. There's nothing I want to talk about. I don't think anybody wants to hear me, anyways. But you have I no think, opinions, right? Yeah. No, I have got plenty. I got plenty of opinions. But, um, but I was thinking that if we did some type of Cocoa talk panel discussion where we can always <laughs> talk about you know what, what it's been like on this journey because a lot of us from the panel are going to be there in person right so i'm going to be there grant's going to be there mark bosley's going to be there you're going to be there it's so a lot of us who've been on the show will be there so if you guys are you know if you really don't have a lot for lack of a better term if you're desperate for somebody to, to you know create some hot air and fill some time i think we could definitely fill a spot and just talk about um you know into the whole Coco Talk experience in the community and you know stuff like that that might be interesting to some people. Um, oh, I think so, that'd be great. I know yeah. uh, Brian's going to be working on the virtual side of things, so even if you're not in person, um, we could do you know Maybe. something along those lines. Yeah, we are going to try to stream the event too. Um, oh, yeah. We're going to try to do some streaming from the event just to show people who can't make it the event in some capacity. 
Um, I don't know if we're going to have a full-fledged Cocoa Fest that weekend because we're all going to be there. I'm not sure if anybody's going to be here to stream because all of the streamers are going to be there, right? So uh, Mark Bosley's going to be there. Grant's going to be there. We're the main guys who've been streaming the show. Uh, Mark Overholz. I would just stream from the show because, I mean, I'm supposed to be streaming in to do like a seminar or something too. So, I mean, we can just kind of link that all up. Uh, uh, Mark Mark Overholz, are you going to be there? Yeah, I'm planning on being there. Okay. So a lot of us are going to be at Cocoa Fest that normally stream the show. So we'll have some form of coverage. I'm not sure what, but since I know you weren't in, in, involved in speaking arrangements before, I just figured, uh, you know, if you needed somebody to fill some time, we might be able to do a Cocoa Talk, you know, Okay, pan, I'll panel get thing with live. Tony. And... Yeah. I had emailed yeah. that to Tony too. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying it in all modesty and all honesty. Nobody needs to or wants to hear us, but if you literally have nothing better, then we'll do it just to, just to give you something so you know it's not a complete failure right so <laughs> I, I think that'd be great i would recommend let's not have grant stream <laughs> <laughs> at least not on the elevator right <laughs> <laughs> we could try pulling up like the best of coco talk over the last four years but um we just don't uh, have that'd be a pretty time. darn short show don't you yeah, think right. it would be yeah. um no but i'm looking forward to uh you know just uh just there's you know, there's Tandy Assembly this week. There's, um, I'm glad that there are, you know, in the COVID era that there are in-person events happening and hopefully they're going to get bigger and more often. Uh, VCF Midwest was a great event. It was good to get out. And so I'm hopefully I'm looking for another good weekend getaway this year at Cocoa Fest just to hang out. Like when I went to VCF, I had no expectations. I just wanted to hang out with some friends, you know, and that's and the fact that there was retro stuff there was a bonus. But it was just kind of seeing people and hanging out and having good Chicago food, you know. So um, looking forward to hanging out and seeing some cool stuff. And I, I understand the auction is going to be awesome this year. And uh, so looking forward to seeing that. It's going to be some good times there. I wonder um, how many of these new audio spectrum are analyzer cartridges right right rare now you know the, the word rare is used a lot on ebay but it is kind of rare to find the graphical <laughs> version of audio spectrum analyzer at this point you know so created a whole new thing right so, so who's all, i am looking forward to all guys going streaming it too because I, I can't go can't i'm really it? looking forward to you doing that guys mm. thanks and um john lauer are you gonna make it Coco uh, yeah yeah i'm gonna be yeah. there i'm gonna i'm gonna fly in because it's I, I looked it up round trip it's like cheap so like, okay, so Matt is saying if there's masks, I won't be there. Even if I were to have gone, if not for masks, I feel <laughs> the need to say this in either case. Uh, well, what does anyone know the story on that? Is it, it's not going to be mandated? I uh, it, it's it's going to be what the um, uh, it's going to be whatever Chicago requires, whatever Illinois requires. It's not really the event making the rules; it's the state or the city, whatever that case may be. So, yeah. local jurisdiction will will apply. Um, cool stuff. All right, we're ready to press the button in this one? I think so. All right, I'm going to skip the pre-recorded outro. We'll just say thank you all for being on the panel. So once again, Mark Overholzer and Canadian Retro Things and L. Curtis Boyle and Boat for being here and Sloopy and Terry Steggy and John Lowry and Alan Murphy and Mark Bosley and Patrick Ewan, Ron Delvo, David Ladd, Nick Marantes, and Stevie Stroh saying thank you all for watching Coco Forever, Dragon Forever. Yeah, it, there is no such thing as too much cocoa. You're not distorting the hobby. It's always going to be a cocoa if you're doing it with the spirit of cocoa in your heart. Uh, you can add all you want. You can have a 19-layer cocoa cake, and it's still cocoa. It's still good. There's no wrong way to cocoa. No such thing as too much cocoa. There's just not Great, enough now I'm cocoa. Hungry. There's not enough cocoa. Matter of fact, we should not be saying that. We should be asking, what else can we do to our cocoa? Not, is, has the cocoa gone too far? No, the cocoa has not gone far enough. It's got more places to go. 
Stay tuned. We'll talk about it here on the show. As long as it runs dagger at this one. Alan Murray says, all right, say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everyone. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody.